0: Welcome back, Mark Thunderdale and Dan Phillips today. Wow. This month in Wrestling industry 9, where we're looking at All Elite Wrestling's Revolution 2020, so AEW are making their podcast debut. How are you doing today, Mark?
1: I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I am I'm okay. Fair to middling, I would say. Dan, how are you? I'm all the better for being here now. Yes. Do you want to share to the, the, the listeners what you've been doing? Yeah. Well, I'm going to have to now, because if I leave that, <laughs> I'm just unblocking the toilet so yeah um, but now I've got a beer and I'm ready to talk about I'm ready to do a This Month in Wrestling History about an actual event that's quite good because I picked it well, uh, well is compared, it quite is it quite good we'll, we'll, get, we'll find out well, we'll find quite out, good yeah. I don't know but uh, in essence, I didn't have much to beat from last month. No, this
0: is your this is your pick, and yeah, I think we've been in wrestling rehabilitation since the bunkhouse stand. <laughs> I think I don't know whether you you heard that on Mark, but it's genuinely probably the worst wrestling show I've ever seen. <laughs> and yeah, I'm but... not even I'm not even joking. It, it had no really, like a twenty minute time limit draw, one of the worst matches I've ever seen, and and Ric Flair versus Hawk on paper. Think, oh, this is gonna be interesting. Dog, oh, I nearly swore then. I can say dog shit, dog shit. It was dog shit. So usually in the car when really kids earmuffs.
2: Usually when I listen to this month in history, there might just be a match or a promo or something that from listening to you two, I think, oh, I'll check that out. But the only thing last month was, I think, some guy walking in front of Jim Ross. <laughs> that, uh, yes. that, <laughs> that was incredible. <laughs> incredible. Right.
0: So before we get on to the pay-per-view itself, um, obviously, this is a fairly new promotion and like a, this is a really big deal having been... You know, WWE fans for a long time and obviously WCW was bought out in 2001. So, Mark, can you remember some of your thoughts and perhaps sort of hopes and expectations when this promotion was first announced back in January? What was it? January 2019, I suppose it was, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, it was. Um, well, I didn't want to get my hopes up because I'd been sucked into the hype back in 2010 when Impact Wrestling brought in Hulk Hogan and Jeff Hardy and RVD and everyone to go head to head with wwe but an initial burst of momentum there soon dwindled and died out but um where i think impact went wrong was trying to outdo wwe at doing the wwe style so i hoped aew would uh, do something different carving out their own identity and doing some things differently yes and uh, you know yeah, what
0: what what impact? Impact used to get, I mean, there was clearly a big audience for a second wrestling promotion because they used to get bet- better ratings than um, AEW does now, albeit in a slightly different television landscape. But they can never convert any of those people to pay-per-view and they, their house shows never did well. They can never regularly tour the television show. So yeah, it was um there was there's been a market for this for, for a long time. Dan, what did you think about this? Because I, I guess at the time, you were probably not this this is kind of the thing that got you interested, given the links with yeah. Fulham and start to come back, I suppose.
1: Yeah. So mine was I sort of well I had stopped watching. Um, knew all I knew about it was from talking to you. Yeah. Um, sitting in front of me at Fulham, and then obviously when it was announced that the Fulham owner owner Sutton, should we say, mm. was was singing, it was a bit surreal. Really, it's a bit he weird. Um, owner, he's not. I mean, for you, it must. Yeah. I mean, for you, it must have been massively bizarre and I know that you know there's been a lot of 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 links but I mean for us originally I think as fans of Fulham fans it was more like you know it's a bit of a strange thing like I'm talking to my granddad about he's like so what's what's all this this wrestling stuff going on you know and yeah I'm having conversations I just didn't think I would have now as an adult male with my granddad that I may have had when I was a kid yeah he's there talking about giant haystacks or whatever um but so, so I decided to pay a bit of attention to it. And then you told me, you know, actually, the people they've got lined up for this are decent. They're different yeah. to what you, you would have used to have seen. You may find this, you know. So I so I thought, you know what, I'll I'll have a go. So that's so that's literally how I got into it, really. Just the Fulham link. That's that's between I mean, us, that is purely it. Um yeah. and now I try and distance the Fulham link. Uh, I want to enjoy Fulham and this. Without yeah. yeah link in yeah. the two. And I think we're doing. A,
0: we 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 might be, uh, you know, frustrated with the situation, but I think that I can, I cannot hate AEW because I'm frustrated that the guy that runs it also does a, you know, sometimes good, sometimes awful job of of running Fulham. So um, yeah, I, you know, I'm enough of a wrestling fan to want this to succeed. Um, you know, and it, and it kind of is what it is. The only thing I would say is I've, there was a bit of a tinge of sadness for me when this all started because this was i knew this was the end of the end of the era of the bucks and you know kenny and marty and all the guys together the, the being the elite stuff from back then um was very i mean i don't i must be honest i haven't probably watched too much of it over the last year 18 months but the being the elite stuff at the start, I know know Dan, you've watched a lot, I think Mark, you probably watched all of those early ones, it was all about their travels in Japan, it was such good fun, it was just like very different, and it was like they they were the underdogs that you were rooting for, and and I knew that that was, I knew when Omega lost to Tanahashi in the Tokyo Dome at at the start of 2019, so I was like, this is kind of the end of this, this is the end of the Bucks, and those guys coming over to Red Pro, and, and all that sort of stuff, but I was hopeful that You know, from the very, very get-go, you know, all the people that seem to be in the know, like like Meltzer, were saying that these guys are going to get a significant TV deal. And obviously, that was the key thing. I think they had some shaky moments, some of their early pay-per-views, but the TV deal was, you know, monumental. And even more so was the deal they signed just before the pandemic to extend on TNT and and up their money, which was basically pretty much save the company, because who knows what would have happened otherwise. So... This show took place on February the 29th, 2020, which is a rare date for wrestling pay-per-view, given that it only happens once every four years. And I could only see one other North American pay-per-view on this date, which was Super Brawl 2, headlined by Lex Luger defending the WCW world title against Sting. Um, any, any other research on Leap Day wrestling will you see before I move
2: on? I no. researched it. No. I found the same thing you found, but my only other comment to add to what you've said was um, it included one of Dave Meltzer's five-star matches in that pay-per-view.
0: Oh, really? What was Which one was that?
2: Uh, Brian Pillman against Jushin Thunder Liger. Uh, in the- yeah, that was really good. And it was
0: the first show that Jesse Ventura was comment commentator at, I watched that one, and he he was on commentary with, I uh, presume, Jim Ross, I guess it must have been. So, yeah, that was... Uh, yeah, very, very grace. strong. That's match. a
1: great stat
0: that. Uh, yeah, that's fantastic. That. Um, so this show was from Chicago at the Winchester Arena, so a 39-mile departure from the Sears Centre, where they ran out, where they ran all out 2019, and prior to that, all in, albeit obviously not under the official banner of AEW. And um, this show did approximately 105,000 buys of on pay-per-view, which is pretty much in line with their previous effort, Full Gear 2019, which was headlined by Chris Jericho defending the AEW world title against Cody Rhodes and a lights out match between John Moxie and Kenny Omega. Uh, Revolution was the group's fourth traditional pay-per-view and it started with a kind of futuristic rundown of the matches upcoming, which I thought was a tiny bit hokey to begin with, but then I ended up quite liking it, um, especially looking back over the brilliant Hangman and Omega stuff. Um, Dan, what did you make of this pay-per-view opening?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it, it linked in um, stuff from the preview show and, I think we discussed before, the one one thing AEW do really well is like the countdown show or the preview yes. shows. I, I always remember when, <clears throat> I, I don't know if WWE still do them, but I, I know they did when I was younger. And I always remember thinking, I'm not watching that. I've, I've, I've already I've watched it. So why am I going to then watch a, a recap? Which sounds silly because, you know, I'll go and sit and watch Fulham for 90 minutes and then watch your match of the day on the four times we win a year. But, <laughs> you know, i so when they said they were going to do it, I thought it's a bit cliche. And then their preview shows are really well put together. Yes, So um, yeah. And this little bit at the start was just a sort of small snippet of each of that show. Um, And it does get you, I agree with you, when it started, I was like, oh, what's this futuristic thing they're doing? Here we go. But actually, by the end, I was like, right, I can't wait for every single one of their matches.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I think it's such a good job that. Of that. There should be more of that on the TV show, I think. Uh, Mark, what did you think of this uh, this opening package to start the pay-per-view?
2: Yeah, I, I agree that they do this kind of thing really well. I, um, I don't know if I told you, to to watch this show, I ended up going out and buying the DVD off the oh, internet. Yeah. So, so in there, uh, one of the extras was the buy-in show that preceded the pay-per-view. So it had already gone down pretty much how the show opened and they'd run through it. The only real... Uh, noteworthy thing: there was a, a match which had a run in at the end, a pre-show match where Colt Cabana debuted in his hometown. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. And um, but as the commentators were stood running down the matches leading up to the end of that show and the start of the pay-per-view, uh, the noteworthy thing was when Jim Ross said uh, Dustin Rhodes was wrestling Jack Swagger, and oh. uh, you could see Tony <laughs> and Excalibur sort of cringing. But um, you know, yeah. all these things happen.
0: Good old Jim, called Kenny Omega, WWE Champion a couple of weeks ago on Dynamite, which is good fun. Yeah. Um, so talking to the, the legend, Jim Ross, obviously Tony Shivani and Excalibur, on commentary for this event. Ross talks about the hot crowd and who who knew then that this would be the last AEW pay-per-view of the pre-pandemic era, just a few weeks before that to shut down. We had Desiree Shalish singing the national anthem to open things up to give it a big event feel. And I thought she did a pretty great job here. Mark, what did you think of this national anthem before... So not yeah. doing WWE's America the Beautiful, they've gone for Stars and Stripes.
2: Yeah, I like, I like. it's a bit of a throwback to older wrestling events, starting the show with the national anthem before any wrestling's come into play. And, um, yeah, she did a good rendition.
0: So I said Stars star, Star, star Spangled Banner, isn't it? I don't want any tweets saying I don't know what the US national anthem is. And
1: Dan, what did you think of Desiree Chalice here? I was gutted it wasn't Desiree
2: yeah, I was just we gonna pan over and I heard like
1: her singing that and David Brent sitting there. That's right, um, so yeah, I uh, other than that, once I got over that disappointment, um, yeah, very good. I shoot. did they do an anthem before the start of any of their other pay per views or not? Amp, like, um, was, not sure, I, I think, think so, but I'm not 100% oh, okay because it just made me think, um, and I know, like, you know, each each brand, I'm not trying to, you know you automatically go back to WWE. But it made me think, is this them pitching that this is like their WrestleMania? And I hate to say that because, you know, you're, you're your own brand. But yeah. everyone does it, right? Everyone goes, what's your main one? And so because they've done that, that made me think, oh, is this what they're going to do? Because obviously this year, they're only doing... I, I personally thought that, the, that their WrestleMania would be all, all out. Yeah. But maybe because... Well, I don't know. I ju- it just made me think maybe that that, that, that was it. Um... The thing
0: about this is that I do, I am of, of the mind that perhaps it's better not to have, if you're only doing four pay-per-views, and I think they mm. might do an extra one, because there was supposed to be fighter Fest here, weren't they, last year that we've established. Um, so I think fighter Fest, they could easily, even, even if they did that as an eye pay-per-view, or you could whack that as a traditional pay-per-view as well. But... The, the advantage of not having a WrestleMania is that you don't have to build to the same time of year every year. Yeah. You could have a yeah. story that is not ready, so you carry it on to the next one. So it's, yeah. not, a bad, it's not a bad... Oh, no, no, thought. I agree. Yeah. I but but agree. it's unusual. Yeah. It's unusual to have it that yeah. way. Yeah, and, and also,
1: yeah. as I say, you just automatically do it. I mean, it's interesting you say that, actually, because, well, as you two know, I've spent my my lockdown free very productively and watched all the Raw Rumble main events. Oh, yes, yeah. Or the Rumble matches, should I say. But actually, one of the one of the things uh, during during them, it, uh, which actually would become quite frustrating, it's brilliant that the winner of the rumble gets to main event WrestleMania, right? I think that's a great idea. But as a result, it limits who can win that match, the yeah. rumble match. Yeah. So when you're watching and you're thinking, oh, this is really good," you then sort of go, "Well, you're not going to win, mate," <laughs> because they might, because like, yeah. like, okay, actually, you could probably give you a, a raw rumble win, but give you a main uh, WrestleMania main event? Don't think so. Whereas if it was, like you say, okay, you, you may have been WrestleMania, but then there was another one in, I don't know, three months later, which was just as big, then you'd be like, it, it wouldn't matter. But um, yeah, I think you're right. We've only having, we've having fewer, maybe a bit frustrating for the fan. But I think we all know. I particularly remember when WWE, okay, you had a pay-per-view every month. Some of them, you would always be like, oh, this one. Yeah, no, yeah. Like, there was, they're fillers. Um so, I, yeah, you're right. Maybe that is. That, the only other thing I was going to mention, actually, was how refreshing it was. And I know we've said this time and time again, that there was fans there. Yes. Yeah. you just mentioned, it's the last one yeah. for the pandemic. What I was actually going to ask or, or know was, we've obviously just had our announcement here about, um, you know, starting to let people back in, etc. cetera. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the situation is over in the States. Um, but I, I understand WrestleMania is in Tampa, right? WrestleMania was the Super, a Super. I keep saying Super. super, dope, Bowl, super was, Bowl, right. Bowl. So they was, had twenty two thousand yeah. fans at the Super Bowl, and if yeah. you watched it, the noise that they created, you'd have thought there was a hundred thousand in it. They did an incredible job. I saw some saw the
0: highlights next day with the, with the cardboard cutouts. I thought the stadium. Yeah, was but incredible. even just the noise, just the noise. Yeah, yeah. The I, noise was I, well. I, watched, I watched
1: it. I watched it. Yeah. And, and and I thought it was brilliant. So I just wondered, do you know? Have you seen? I know you guys read a lot more about me, but just in general, what the what the vibe is over there in regards to getting fans back because they're in a different situation to us, and I know it's state by state. I, but. I
2: think I read when when the announcements were coming out, they were aiming for was it twenty five or thirty thousand? Because obviously, yeah. in addition to what they had at the Super Bowl, you've got the entire pitch as well, so another mm. few thousand there. So if it was twenty two at Super Bowl. 25 sounds reasonable to fill up a football pitch with another 3,000 And what about, out. do
1: you think, for the weekly shows, when they, do you think they'll start getting... I, I, oh, I don't not. know what the situation is in America. So, I,
2: no, And what uh, WWE have in place with the stadiums, the arenas, I don't know, like they had that first arena until the Orlando Jazz started playing NBA and then they moved out to the one they're at now. And uh, I don't know who owns it and what else is going on in it, really.
0: So the, where they're in at the moment is Tropicana Field, and it's the Tampa Bay, I don't know, Devil Rays. I'm going to give a guess, baseball team, um, and they will be playing in there from April, so around the time of WrestleMania. So they'll, they'll be, they'll have to come out of there. I'm not sure when the basket when the NBA season usually finishes, um, but I suspect that WWE will have to will have to do something for um, for once that. So yeah, the NBA season doesn't finish until July. So they're going to have to find somewhere else. I don't. I don't think um, we're only recording this a couple of days actually before it for it airs. But I don't think the vaccination program is going particularly well in the states at the moment. So I can see things in Florida like outdoor, you know, outdoors, and because they've been more lenient, shall we say, on crowds. But other other places won't crowds on some. If I was WWE, I would try and get a, um, I would really try and work hard to get whether it's a little tennis stadium that holds. 1500 or 2000 sorry holds maybe 3000 get try and get 1500 in there in a big city outdoors and just try and try and get real fans in there socially distance because the show is so much better with a crowd than it is i i see some people positive about the fonderdome I, I can't i can't watch it um so but I, i'd be surprised if raw and smackdown are regularly in front of North, like touring arena crowds until q4 i'd say this year at best um So, where were we? So, yes, we're moving on from the national anthem. First up, Dustin Rhodes versus Jake Hager. And I have to say, I was feeling pretty pumped for re-watching this entire show for the first time in 12 months, and I couldn't remember what the opener was, and this smashed the wind out of my sails. Um, And Jake prepared for the match by snogging the absolute face of his wife at ringside. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Would that get you up for a wrestling match, doing that, snogging your wife at
2: ringside? Me, no. But my own, my no, own wife. offense to the wife. But yeah. um, <laughs> the, 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 uh, the, the noteworthy thing about that for me, I've seen baby faces do that, give the wife a quick peck before yeah. climbing into the ring. But a heel going and giving her a full on yeah. snog uh, was, got the crowd going before the bell had even rung. So it was, I, a, it was a great move. I uh, took a screenshot of an individual that during the match,
1: really struggled with the awkwardness of the of the of the uh close relations oh really there is, there is a <laughs> i've took a screenshot which you know you're, you're more than welcome to share or, or yeah I'll send it to Twitter me Twitter. i'll tweet it out yeah and this individual he he's a larger gentleman with a beard mm. and when Jay Kager is proper going for it and everyone you've got everyone around going like going mad like, or or you know boo or whatever he is just standing there hands in his pockets, looking anywhere but at the kiss. And you know when you're like, oh, this is like, I, I felt like he was at school or something. And he was like, oh, duh, this is rude. It was brilliant. And yeah, later on, they go, back to, they go back to, I'm sure we'll cover, and he does exactly the same. Oh, does it Okay, He yeah. is, honestly, the most awkward individual. Bless him. I felt so sorry for him. Everyone else going mad. He's just there, hands in pockets, don't look. <laughs> um, so yeah, I but, don't like it.
0: I don't like it. I don't like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so Dustin had a great T-shirt on that said he was there to fight Jericho's bitch, and even got a crowd chant of this uh, little way into this match. Then there was horrendous spot straight out of 975 where Babyface Dustin forced himself onto Hager's wife and kissed her, which the crowd ate up. I presume this was the bit where the guy at ringside was feeling yeah, this is This one I get yeah.
1: being uncomfortable, but yeah, I, I just I, that's when I thought uh, he just doesn't like public signs of affection. Yeah.
0: Speaking of the crowd, I thought they did
1: their best here to try and take a long match that
0: probably shouldn't have been on the card in the first place, and certainly is about as bad a choice of a pay per view opening between any two names of the company at that t- at that time. I just can't think of why you put this first or on pay per view at all, really. One of the commentators alluded to Hager licking Dustin's face after a failed pin attempt, but I think I must have been staring off into space or yawning. Did either of you catch this?
2: Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I, I wondered if it was a sort of homage to Goldust in Goldust's early days. It, it, his tongue was was really out there, and it was really what's the word waggling around uh, yeah. just by Dustin's ear. And I, I don't, I don't
1: know. Well, I just saw there was a bloke in the crowd with his head down, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dustin blasted Hager at the balls
0: right in front of referee Aubrey Evans Didn't it? Didn't it? Oh, didn't get dq I think she probably should have been looking in a different direction. This was just a bit of a botch. Um, and as I wrote that, I realised that perhaps JR and I have more in common than I realised, basically grouchy, ageing wrestling fans. Um, this wasn't technically bad, but I did find it really boring. Hager ended up winning the low blow behind Aubrey's back, a move that ended his last Bellator fight, which was no contest, and then used a standing head and arm choke. Um, and Rose went out. This was firmly a skip for me. Um, Dan, what did you think of this match?
1: Um, okay, so a few, few few views. Dustin, first of all. I've put here my first note um, is Dustin, and uh, like a sad face. Couldn't even bother to write my <laughs> thoughts on him walking out. Um, couple of, number one, he comes out with QT Marshall. That guy's annoying me at the moment anyway, because I watched QT Marshall's documentary on Prime.
3: I'm oh, sure. Yeah.
1: And I think you're meant to like QT Marshall by the end of this documentary. Um, I didn't at all. Uh, I don't know if any of you have seen it, but ultimately it is about him. And it's, I think he's trying to show how hard it is. You know, this is, this is, you know, on the independent scene, but like he is a, tra- he's a trainer. And then I think it's Pat Patterson turns up um, to sort of watch them. And he puts himself in the trial if you know what I mean. All oh, right, okay, so Rather yeah. than going, it was to watch the students, he joins in. <laughs> and he's like, oh, what about me? What about me? And then they don't call him back and he thinks he's made it and then they don't call him, you know, in the nice possible way. It's quite, I find it quite funny at the end. But, but he comes out with them. Um, but I'm going to mention, I'm going to start a, a little theme here for me and that's a double meaning here. Dustin's theme music, yeah, shows you the art of good music. I really liked it. And when yeah, he was like, up on yeah. the rope, I was like, yes, go on, man, you can do this. <laughs> I feel bad about doing that smiley, uh, sad face now. Um, but, uh, I, so, so that was good. And, and just as a testament, I quite like Hager's as well. I liked Hager's. Yeah, it's decent Hager's, yeah. You don't really hear very much because it's always inner circle music or Jericho's. But, I say, with Dustin, one of the things I was going to say was, it does make me laugh that he's, this is his new, he's his, He's his own name, is his own man. Don't need to still dress like Goldust. Why, yeah. why? You're not Goldust anymore. So why wear that skin tight like or a suit or whatever? Paint your face. Just ref just come out and be you. I guess um, I guess at his age, he's and I'm sure the guy's
0: not in like terrible. His shape, age, but but age, he's, he's wearing a, to, mate,
1: he's painting his face at his age. Yeah, he should, but I, I
0: not be doing it. I think he's trying to cut he's trying to cover he's probably trying to cover himself up a bit, isn't he? I think. I do know I do know what you're saying. It's like why is he not evolved at all?
1: But no, and actually um, yeah. the, the evolution of his character is he's this silly gold dust sort of thing. But actually when he shows the Jericho's bitch t shirt, that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Just go with that. That's yeah. great. But it looked a bit it was a great t shirt, but it looked a bit weird because he's
2: dressed like gold dust again. Uh, I can't explain go that, go actually. Go. Um, it, on, he did an appearance on the AEW podcast and he mentioned what his sort of look is is all about. Basically, the half-and-half half face paint is because um, his character is mostly the old Dustin Rhodes that we saw back in the WCW days, but he doesn't want to leave behind the 20-plus years where he wore the bodysuit and he wore the face paint in WWE. So he's sort of trying to, and just like that, Marcus No, no, that oh, there you so go, Just yeah. cut
1: that out of the podcast. <laughs> um, Great <laughs> facts. I, I,
2: I was,
1: I mean, I, I was going to say, I mean, when uh, when you mentioned about the the forced kiss, um, I mean, uh, you know, it's a fifty year old man, which they've mentioned a few times. So, so he's fifty. Hager's thirty seven. So also going back to what you said, opening the match up with 50-year-old and a fifty year old in the face, like versus a thirty seven. Quite young Steve 37 isn't it, mate? but I'm saying like Something, you know well like me and Marcus can so, yeah, say, yeah, actually, yeah. I don't know, a whole couple of old blokes, I'm thinking. Um, but the false kiss, I remember we reviewed a mid-south episode not that long ago mm. and there was a false kiss, and yeah. we said, Well, you definitely would have said with 2020 vision that yeah. I'm glad we've moved on from it. So I, I remember seeing that and thinking, Oh no. What's that? What I don't that know. About? See, this is the thing. I've got a big problem, with and the, on this show particularly, I've got a big
0: problem with the with the quality control in this promotion um, because it frustrates me. Because they they're so they do so many things well. I have so many episodes of Dynamite well, but but who is Tony Khan agreeing to this? Because if this was me, this is I've been talking. We, I can't remember. We talked about Red lines on the podcast that's just come out or the ones coming out next week. But there's certain things that are red lines for me in wrestling that I would never do. We talked about it earlier on, Dan. Spoil uh, I'm not gonna mention that a spoiler and Marcus has seen dynamite yet, so I'm gonna move on from that. <laughs> there's certain certain things that I just wouldn't I would never do in wrestling. And that's one of them. It's like, no, you're not doing it. I don't care if it I don't care if it gets a good reaction in the crowd, which it did. It's just
1: not right. So yeah. Yeah. I I, I wasn't a massive fan of that. I, uh, I... Go, on, go, on. go on, Mark. No, I
2: was, I was just gonna say I wonder if Tony Khan is maybe involved as far as uh what the finish is going to be and what the the aim they're trying to get out of each match but as far as spots within the match such as that one I, I'm sure it was all on Dustin not run by anyone you know you he's the yeah. veteran and he knows what he's doing well I hope you got a bollock
1: in for it afterwards because this yeah, know, this, is not, this is not good I mean I mean again the the, the fans I mentioned about the fans being there. One of the things I did note is again, even more so, just wrestling fans humour for wrestling fans is just great. Um, you know, like the they're just halfway through just starting Jericho's bitch just start singing it. Just I love yeah, all that. Yeah. That was um yes. and it, as it's good and bad, again, going back to going back to what, what I said to you guys, yeah, them two raw rumble years, I think it was 14 and 15 when the fans were booing. I appreciate that was them airing their grievances. I, I found that really awkward watching that. But yeah. at the time, am I re- so that, that would be my bad side of it, I'd say. But actually, when it's the quick wit or the quick songs that you know just come out, so I think are great. And that's something you can massive, massively miss. Um, because actually the rest of us thrive off of it. Yes. Um yeah. and, 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 and also it can dictate, it can change storylines, it can change all sorts. And and for the last year no storyline would have been changed by fan reaction, really, because it's not... Well, no, because they're, right. they're
0: not... It's, it's a director saying, put your, put your thumbs up for thumbs up or put your thumbs down for thumbs yeah, exactly. down,
1: yeah. Um, so that was that. And then, yeah, the other thing was, I put that it was all right because I think my faults uh, my were so low, the bar was so low in my mind. And actually, I thought Dustin did okay to the point where I thought, he's done all right there. He's rested all right there as a 50-year-old man. It made me sort of think, Maybe you didn't need to be a complete joke act in the WWF. Maybe you know, twenty years ago, if you weren't a joke, if you're wrestling like now, 50, 20 years ago, I don't. I remember Goldust and everything, but he was a joke. So you always just I didn't. You didn't really watch his wrestling.
0: I thought that um, I think with the problem, quite a lot of the problem with him was that he had a lot you know a lot of personal problems and stuff during that time. So I don't think we ever really got the got the best of him. I don't think in in WWF. Mike, what did you? What, so, oh, yeah. Sorry, uh, Stan. So you're no, going, no, no. I was
1: just going to. Uh, no, I was just going to end asking. In essence, you two, who you know, uh, I will always bow down to your your thoughts. I was just going to end with your thoughts on whether you think
2: actually did, did he did was he misused, and you know. Um, do you I feel think like the you first know? the first year or two where he was still a heel, it was he was taken ser- well seriously, so to speak, in that. The Baby Faces were, and again, this is a bit old, old fashioned now. Saying they were threatened by him, sort of the way he was, but yeah. he he was uh, it. It was a nice, um, the way he he was brutal in the ring, and he was hard hitting and all that to go with the flamboyant <laughs> character. It was a nice um, contrast. But um, yeah, within within maybe two years, it. it been babyface and and all that, and then it got a bit into comedy. And once it did go into a comedy character, he couldn't get back out again. Hard oh, to come back in it. Yeah. yeah,
0: I I wonder with him. I don't I don't think his body type. He's a big guy, but he wasn't he wasn't cut or anything. I'm not sure that would ever have worked in the WRF without a gimmick that covered him up. Um, and I th- I agree with Mark. I think for that for that uh, couple of years, they were pushing a button that hard, very very hard with him. Um, that was obviously know super offensive now um, but yeah I, I don't know I think I think the personal problems added up yeah I mean, he had a great he had a great match with Cody in AEW an earlier pay-per-view but yeah that's what I mean as yeah. stealth
1: like you I, know 20 years 30 years too late is what I'm saying his best use, he should be in
0: ta- if, he, if they're going to use him he should be in a tag team with a younger guy and then do the Dustin turns on him Have Dustin's a heel something like that what, what did you think of this um, this match Mark Or how
2: would you rate this one um Well, addressing some of your points, if it it had to be on the pay-per-view, which it was, obviously, I think what I would have done is switch the first two matches around. Mm -hmm. The match that's coming up next was so fast and exciting, that would have been a perfect opener to any pay-per-view. If you think of the way WWE have done it for years, I I know I've just said I don't want them to follow WWE patterns, but if you think about things like... Ray Mysterio and Kurt Angle at that SummerSlam one year it just started with a bang and went from there and um I think that's how I'd have set out the card as far as the match goes um there was a there was a moment where the match spilled outside it was just before Dustin kissed Hager's wife where Hager was still on top and she he went to towards her and she was repeatedly telling him full on camera I want you to break his arm okay I want you to break his arm Uh but all three commentators were too busy talking about Dustin's cardiovascular conditioning at the time. And they missed what what was basically a major plot point in the match. Because right, the, right, right, the match right, yeah. finished with the uh, head and arm choke, didn't it? Um, but I thought the crowd stayed with them throughout. They were rallying behind Dustin each time Jake was on offense. So that was the reaction they were going for. And, um, and I, yeah, my rating was it was all right as well. It wasn't a complete dud. Uh, and the only other comment on these two wrestling each other was, I had a look at Cage match and saw that in WWE, they wrestled each other 48 times. Wow. Um, not all of them were singles matches, obviously, with tags and battle royals and Royal Rumbles in there, but Hager had only won three of their 48 matches. Crikey,
0: oh, okay. that's, that's mad, isn't it? So it must have been a long old house show between it,
1: those two. That's interesting you say that, because actually until I done this Rumble thing recently, I didn't realise how long Swagger had been around in WWE. So I I knew that's where he's from. And I guess for me, because he's turned up to AEW and he very rarely competes, um, I think I just probably just thought I remember him from there, so I used to dip in and out that then, but I didn't realise, wow, he had been I went on his Wikipedia, he was and obviously in the Royal Rumble, just by seeing the amount of times he was rocking up in different characters, some quite Strange, where he's uh turns into an normal American, to so then a um, to then some sort of militant American. I mean, I must admit, I can't believe I've missed out on the fact that um, or none of you mentioned that he was that he's from the wrestling capital of the world. Oh yeah, yeah, Perry, Oklahoma, which is I I had a look, three hundred ninety six miles away from Shreveport. Uh, okay, which I think in American terms is quite close. Probably yeah, knit there for the afternoon. Certainly, yeah, yeah. Um, and but the reason they he said it was the wrestling capital of the world was because of Danny Hodge, yes, think, yeah, yeah. Uh, Bill mentioned about quite recently. Um, and last but not least, he's a Sooner, so there you <laughs> oh, go, yeah. that is my new favorite wrestler, right there. So, what so, I'm looking up, anyway. so would you how, how far did you say it was
0: 396
1: miles? 96 miles, yeah, so, yeah. So,
0: yeah. So, I, I wonder if, pool. if, um, if the so what i we're gonna do a little, if I can actually get this up here. We're gonna go. Do you think that the south coast of? I'm gonna pick Southampton as a place on here. To uh, the kind of somewhere in the middle of the coast of Scotland is 396 miles or less. So, what do you
2: think? I I worked this out for my last podcast appearance. Something very similar, and I didn't I didn't use it in the podcast. It's somewhere on my notes because I was working out when Hercules was listed as being from Bad Street USA on uh, Mid-South. I thought, well, Michael Hayes, I thought, was the originator of Bad Street USA. So I checked their Wikipedias and I saw where their real hometowns were from and they were both within Florida. So I, I did a similar test. What's the difference between, you know, they're both in the same state, it can't be that far away. And it was actually the distance from Southampton to sort of Newcastle, the very top of England. Oh really? Um, okay. So I can't remember be... what the number is, so I've no idea what the answer to your question is.
0: Well, I'll give you a clue. Well, there has got to be more then. Yeah, I'll give you i c cl- I'll give you a clue that actually um Scotland's loads It's 676 miles from Southampton okay. to the top of Scotland. But actually, I think um England is probably. I mean it's I'll tell you what, Scotland goes a long way. Not that I've ever been up there, but um yeah, there's a it's uh I can't, you know what. This is probably not probably not what people want to hear, is it, really? great listening.
1: All I was trying to say was I was trying to... When they said that he was from the wrestling capital of the world, I was trying to sort of half-claim it as a, a homage to Mid-South is what I was trying to do there. Okay, It's, yeah. turned, it's turned into... Um, Geography. Around, around, around the UK with Stephen Guttridge. Ah, okay, um, here we go. The programme I would not watch. So England... If you go from Southampton to the to kind
0: of the western part of the Scottish border, it's three hundred and fifty-three miles. So there we right. go. So the journey is as long or longer than the length of England, our fair home. So let's move on. Yeah,
2: uh, let's what, move on. I was just going to say that.
0: <laughs> what did it, what, anyone uh, anyone know? Anyone want to guess what Dave Meltzer gave this is star rating? I've gone skip. You've both gone all. It's all right. One and, and a half. Two, three stars three very generous stars um, I said it was, was alright but it wasn't that alright no of course it wasn't right advert next for the big dynamite two ring blood and guts show that never ended up happening obviously because of uh, the pandemic and there was a quick rundown of the matches to come and then next was Darby Allen versus Sammy Guevara um, Sammy channeling Bret Hart um, with pink and black pink and black trunks of sorry peeps. just I don't
1: mean to interrupt but when you mentioned about that uh, blood and guts thing yeah. Um, just a little note now. I've done a little bit of reading on that, and so it never happened, okay? Yes, yeah. um, and it makes me think, is it gonna happen? But I'm not sure, and purely because this was February 2020, the promotion is very new, still relatively speaking. And apparently, the reason it was called Blood and Guts is because Vince McMahon done an interview, yeah, where he was saying, We're not going to be Blood and Guts like the other promotions yes yeah. so it was more of a sort of a dig at him and it actually made me think i hope they i'm cool with the concept i don't want to do the concept but i hope they don't call it that now because in my view they've moved on from from that if you know if you know what i mean like you know don't, don't 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 bother sort of trying to do a little dig at the other brand anymore just just move on but because that was just quite interesting now I don't think they would do that. That's what I'm trying to say. Like Back then, that was, that's a direct dig at WWE. We're doing an event, and we're doing what you reckon that we're all about. I and I wonder, is this event going to happen? If it does, yeah. I just hope they don't call it that. Well, it's War, it's war Games, basically, isn't it? They can't call yeah, it War Games. Yeah, just I just yeah. don't like the link, the reasoning yeah. behind it. It's, it, in it. And it's PR that will come up, and then it's... What, why, why give
2: that PR? I was active? just going to say... I... Go on, I thought I thought there was a direct nod to War Games, where the, the way the worded that short promo, it was um, two rings, a cage with a roof, which instantly makes long term fans think of War Games. And then the graphic that came up said, "You know the rest." In other words, we're not allowed to call it War yeah. Games because they've got the trademark. Yeah. Describing a War Games match without saying those two words, so yeah. that, they were making no secret of the fact that's what. Yeah,
1: they I just hope now. I think enough times gone on that either you don't do it or if you do do it just try and detach yourself a bit or change something Um, yeah don't make it a sort of a
0: I I think I think they will definitely call it blood and guts because I think this is a oh no
1: I'm sure they will but I just hope they don't say no yeah I
0: I kind of feel like they if they had if they'd done it uh, because I think I think that Cody's trying to get the war games trademark Perhaps I could
1: be wrong about that, because I know he's... I mean, he, took, he took two months. years getting his own name. Well, yeah, so not worry worry about. Um, i getting that.
0: I think they'll, they'll, they'll flip back to that two-ring thing at some point. So uh, there's a quick, quick rundown of matches to come. And then next was Derby Allen versus Sammy Guevara. And Allen was out second, and after a quick black-and-white video that showed him flipping onto a skateboard, and he got a great reaction. And I'd have to say I'm a big fan of his music, which I think it fits him perfectly. Um, Derby did an incredible topo suicide through the rope, through the corner of the ropes before the bell. And these two fought around ringside for some time before the match officially started. Um, Derby's second topo attempt with Sammy prone on the ringside barriers was less successful as he clipped his heel on the rope on the way down. He just managed to graze Sammy. Um, Sammy then hit an insane-looking 630 cent on from the top rope through Derby on the table on the outside, with the bell still not having officially rung. Um, there was a big derby chant as he made his way into the ring, and the referee rang the bell. Sammy hit a beautiful flying knee for a good near fall straight away. And this one went another five minutes of really good action before Guevara did a top rope Spanish fly for a very close near fall. Guevara undid the padding on, a turn- on one of the turnbuckles, but Alan Monkey flipped him into it. Guevara's head hit the exposed turnbuckle. Alan did a flip into a stunner and a great coffin drop with Sammy Miles across the ring for the win. And that reminded me of the distance Randy Savage used to get on his elbow drops very early in his career. I like this, and I would give this a solid recommend. Mark, what did you think of
2: this Allen versus Guevara match? Um, I also give it a recommend. I thought it was really, really good. Um, a, a few comments about some of the stuff going on. I, I didn't like that spot where... Derby hung Sammy over the guardrail before getting back in the ring and diving through the ropes to attack him. I think the intention was to crush Sammy with a sort of diving headbutt. Yeah. On first view, I thought it went as planned, but it didn't look very good. The commentators then talked about how he might have caught his foot on the rope, which led to him only grazing Sammy, and the replay showed that is the case. But I think the move would have looked about the same if it had gone exactly as planned. It just looked awkward. Um There was, uh, before the bell had even started, when they were brawling around ringside, there was an interesting conversation between all three commentators, which I thought at first made the referee sound incompetent, but it came around again to make complete sense. Um, Excalibur noted that the referee, Paul Turner, wasn't counting them out, but then we heard Turner tell Sammy to get in the ring so we could start the match. And Jim Ross then said, if he told the timekeeper to ring the bell, he could begin counting them out there and then simple as that but on reflection a match can't legally start until both men are in the ring so it actually did make total sense it wasn't a sort of mess and and i like the fact there's i, I always like when logic's inserted yeah it could be taken the other way um as far as that six thirty splash through the table it looked sensational didn't it and yeah super. i mean I, i've watched all kinds of wrestling as you know from all over the world from various eras but i've never seen someone do that off the top rope through a ringside table no i remember jack evans was the first person i ever saw do a 630 around 2004 2005 in ring of honor and then pack was using it as his finish on the uk scene around that time and ricochet was the first person i'd seen do it in wwe but through a ringside table that was a first for me and it it looked fantastic um there were some other really good creative spots like Darby had Sammy at one point in the gory special and he bent both of his arms back far enough so he could take a bite out of them. I thought that was very clever. And then another one from the highlight reel was when Sammy jumped from a running start up to the top turnbuckle where Darby Allen was perched, he almost lost his balance and fell to ringside, but he steadied himself with one leg and then he hit the Spanish fly. I thought it looked great, but the near botch where he almost lost his balance may, actually made it look even better. Yeah, great. Um, yeah. Quite, quite,
0: um, uh kind of managed to keep his balance and, and carry on with the move really, yeah, yeah. uh, uh, there. was incredible. Yeah, I loved
2: it. There was one thing I noticed during this match, and it happened through the show, where they cut away from the action to show a single fan close-up reacting. And that's mm-hmm. something WWE have done for a while, and I was hoping AEW wouldn't use it because... The problem is the legitimate reactions to big moves where they're not trying to get on camera don't last too long. So in the sort of one or two second gap between the cameras noticing somebody reacting to a big move and the director cutting to that camera, we usually end up seeing somebody blank-faced about to sit back down again. It, it's, yeah. it doesn't work for me at all. And it happened a lot through this match because I of think the you can, stuff.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think you can lose the impact of the big moves sometimes if, you, if that person, like the reaction's gone. They see themselves on the big screen and they're doing something stupid or they're not reacting the way you expect them to after the initial one. So yeah, I completely agree on
2: that. Yes. Um, So it was mostly a series of spectacular spots, but they look so good that I I certainly haven't got a problem with one of these in in the middle of every every show. Uh, Maybe two matches like this on the same card might be overkill, but I found this one a lot of fun. Yeah, I agree.
4: Um,
1: Dan, what do you think of this one? Yeah, I really enjoyed it as well. Interesting you say that about the Pan into to the fans. Um, I wonder. One of the things I'm missing with no fans is seeing the fan reaction. Mm. Not when they pan in on them, but just did Just you know, from afar. Yeah. And um, actually, when the fans come back, there's no need to don't. Fo- you don't. They need to focus on anyone. Just show everyone, because actually, that's what is really missing. Um, yeah. You know, it's missing missing the genuine reactions. Um, and I don't want to see just one bloke. You know what I mean? Because I, I, at the end of the day, like you say, "I'm sure," you know. Okay, I'm sure. Yeah, that that fella did find the Thing fine, but I want to see what everyone's doing and and, and yeah, absolutely completely things. agree. And, um yeah, for me, I it made me miss Sammy. Yeah, like this, this Sammy, the uh, arrogant. You know, going back to my what will be a theme again, the theme tune. Love Sammy's theme tune. Goes with him so well. Walked in looking confident. Um, you know, for those who still watch AEW now, you know he's 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 left the inner circle, but you know, actually, to be honest, obviously he had he had a few issues off 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 screen, should we say? um And I just hope he gets back to this, Sammy. Um, I think he's got a baby face now. Yeah, and but you can do it. You can still do it this way. Yeah. Oh yeah, hundred yeah. percent. And 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 you just I just you know really miss him. And Darby's and music, I quite, I quite like Darby's entrance. Yeah. It, it, it suits him and, you know, it's different. There's always a little video and stuff. A um, couple of, um, I guess, things during the match. I just got a question about your, your opinions or something. Um, I'm, I'm, JR mentioned, oh, he needs to get him in the ring to get the winner's share of the purse. And I've said this before, for the first maybe year of AEW, that was mentioned every week about mm getting a bigger share of the purse. And I used to hate that. Right? I used <laughs> to hate it. Mainly because, as we all know, spoiler alert, they've decided who's going to win. So stop saying they're going to get the winner's purse. Like it really so they don't do it anymore. I don't know if you notice they don't say that. Oh right, okay, they yeah. They don't say it, which is brilliant. We used to just hate that. Like stop talking about money. So you don't like
0: you don't like the fact that you you feel like that
1: isn't kind of insulting your intelligence
3: to to Correct, go that far with
1: it, yeah. Yeah, like I also don't like the fact that this revolution is gonna have a, a match uh page hardy about their first quarter one earnings. First yeah. quarter earnings. I get that a little bit more because they both earn money, right? Yeah. But again, stop making it about money.
2: Like just find something else to make it about. I don't I, know. I think in, in some matches if there's not something obvious at stake, like a title belt or something like that, it's it's Pitcher, something yeah. they're yeah, fighting for. Yeah, know? fair point, yeah.
1: I just I think that it just brought me back to how he used to do it every match. And, you know, it's um, a uh, Like you said about that submission with the, um, there's some big submissions across wrestling. Um, I think last time I was on the pod, I talked about the figure four, do you reckon that really hurts, etc.? Tell you what does, would really hurt, no doubt about it pulling someone's fingers back Yes. (laughs) he had him in the armbar and i was like oh he's got an armbar minute he just pulled his fingers back like like you were on the playground at school that is when i went oh 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 i'm out there i'm out you can pop my shoulder out of its socket please do not bend all my fingers back do you know what i mean like that like that was an actual really thing um quite like spanish fly by the spanish gods just a little thing i love the ending just there. High, high octane. Yeah, of the, the coffin drop was so good.
0: Like, so it was two thirds across
1: the ring, just incredible. Just the lead up to that as well. The whole, um, the uh, the stunner. Landed, wasn't it? landed yeah. up. Well, he landed on his knees, flipped over. Yeah. Then he'd done a sort of a stunner in the air, and then he'd done that. Wow! Like, and then Sammy had just done this you know, the Spanish fly. Um, the only, yeah. So yeah, solid recommend for me. The only thing I was just going to ask you two is. During the match, they went outside and there was a guy in the front row. And one of the things I like about AEW is they're not actually, other than WWE, really, they mention all the other brands. Yeah. Fairly fairly relaxed about the other brands. They they tend to avoid mentioning WWE. But there was a guy in the front row that had a New Japan hoodie on. Okay. Yeah. And there was just like, I'm just like, no, 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 no. They can talk about (laughs) it. You're at an AW event. It reminded me of like if I go to like non league football matches and people rock up with their like team shirts, like, yeah. oh, I'm here, but I don't, I don't support this. I, I, yeah. support, I support Tottenham. Like, no, you're there. Don't wear a different team. Sh- like, if you bring a mate to a football match who supports Man United and we bring to Fulham, I'm like, don't wear your Man United top. It's Fulham versus Stoke. I think like, Mark talks talked about
0: this, and yeah, I saw the, the new Japan
1: it. thing, and I knew, yeah. and I'm sort of like, okay, you're trying to be a bit different and a bit. Oh, I know, I know, I know what it is. Oh, I know, there was like a lot of Bullet Club.
3: Yes,
1: yeah. and like I know what you're trying to do, and I sort of get it because this brand's quite new, but don't wear another. I don't know. I that's a massive hate in football for me, and it's become one in wrestling a little bit now. Yeah, um, yeah, I, agree. I, I mean, I mean, I would say one thing. I mean. Talking about merchandise, I was going to mention earlier, but, you know, AEW, before they brought the uh, pro wrestling link up, I mean, I had an AEW t-shirt that I got offline, off I'll be honest, I don't think it's genuine, it's made <laughs> by, fruit, it's made by fruit of the Loom, and it just says AEW Wrestling, all of the yeah. wrestling, um, but I remember getting that, Do you remember, I got that very early on yeah, you in, did. Yeah, in, yeah. in the promotion, before they had this thing. That's how passionate I feel about it. I'm going to get stuff that ain't even existing. Exactly, I mean, I yeah. say that as I'm si- I mean, I say that as I'm sitting here using my brand new Mid South Moments notepad, Mid South <laughs> Moments T-shirt, and a pair of Mid South Moments boxer shorts. of yeah, yeah. like, You won't know. I got made for Reg one time. Yeah. yeah Steve absolutely. I brought myself an extra pair. Um, and then, <laughs> just to clarify, he changed the logo. Yeah. About sorry a month about later. That. Yeah. Sorry. So now. <laughs> Well, I've decided differently. They are vintage boxers. Vintage, yeah. Uh, Season one. So yeah. Maybe, maybe that could be, you know, I might get another pick out there just so you all know about what these look like. But yeah, I just think, don't wear another brand. There's plenty out there.
3: No, I agree. What do, you, what do you think
0: about that, Mark, in terms of the, the other people wearing other, other people's stuff?
2: I'm going to sound a bit hypocritical. I completely agree with Dan, but... Uh, 10 years, 10, 12 years ago, I was going to WWE events in my We Hate Cena t-shirt, so... Oh, that's all right, though. That's fine. I think that's to do uh, with what you're watching. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: I'll you that, yeah. I think think AEW, so if you turn up to an AEW show with like a Young Bucks or Omega Bullet Club t-shirt and that's that's fair game, if you're going, I think if you're going to a cross... And I know I I did go to an obscure women. No, I love Japanese. this. I brought this up.
1: You work agreeing. You're both going. No, oh, no, no, I do agree. I
0: but I'm, I'm thinking I did go to an obscure Japanese women's promotion, World Women Pro Wrestling Diana. I think I've got that right. At Corrigan Hall, when I first went to Japan in a Golden Elite T-shirt, which is actually in retrospect the wrong thing to do. But I think that's got. I, I probably wore that because I, I bought so many wrestling T-shirts for the holiday, and I needed to wear one to had nothing else to wear. Um, but I, I think you're sorry,
1: go on down. I was gonna say, I know you two must feel quite strongly about it because, again, this is going out on a podcast. But I'm in the mid-south t-shirt, and you two are in AEW tops. There we so, go, yeah, uh, exactly. You know, a little bit of the bubbly for Mark, and uh, too sweet for Steve. So, the fact we're even recording a pod talking about something, I mean, I've done it myself. Uh-huh. When, we, when we've recorded this one for us in about WWE, I whack on a little DX number. Well, I'm, why not, wearing, not? Yeah. I'm not. I'm not wearing that when we're talking about something else. No, that's a good. Way.
0: <laughs> I just think I think that if you're going, I, like I remember, um, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure Mark remembers this as well. Chris Benoit's son was backstage at WWE show with an AEW hoodie on, and I think that is wow. if you're an AEW show in New Japan top. That isn't, that's, I still don't It's like not the competition, is it? But it's not, it's not so bad because there's a lot of history. And also, they're going to be working together now. So fair game. Yeah. Like if I went to a Red Pro show in a New Japan hoodie, well, they work together. So it's, it's okay. But
2: um that's I is, remember when that happened. Long, yeah. There was no way David Benoit did that by accident. No. And no, it's like, what are you, what are you playing at? Yeah. yeah. What are you playing at? Especially
0: in your, you know, your situation. Like I feel for that guy. He's you know he's 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 been in an unbelievably awful scenario. But he, going backstage a WWE show, he I'm surprised someone didn't. Maybe they did. We just don't ever know about it. But that is really really disrespectful. I wouldn't dream of doing anything like that, even in the crowd. I'm not going to WWE. If I if I go if I buy tickets to WWE show in the future, I'm not turning up with a. WWE sucks. New Japan number one sign. I'm just going there to enjoy. It. I might, I might not enjoy it
1: because they produce a turn. In t- a bit, you, that's something you, different. Hang on a minute. You turn up with a sign with your own name on it. I will not worry about that. Uh, that's a long time ago now. Seventeen.
0: <laughs> okay, that's
1: seventeen years ago
0: this year. Right, we, we're we moving on. We, we are moving on <laughs> because he knows we, this could we, end we, up being against him. Yeah, now. we're moving <laughs> on. So next up, the big one, Kenny Omega and Hangman Page defending the tag team titles against the Young Bucks. Hang
1: well, sp- on, spoiler alert, this is a mid-card match. Why is it a big one? It's probably just a ma- normal match, isn't it? Just a normal <laughs> match, yeah. So do either of you
0: have an, a completely irrational disliking of the champion being shown on the right-hand side of graphics like in the tail of the tape we saw here? Anyone, of yes. you, either of you, shout out. Yes. You know, you're, you're shaking your head It's not something I've
2: ever time. noticed. Not yeah. something I've noticed. Championship
0: be on the left, not on the Massively. right. I
1: hate it so much. It's, like I don't understand it's only second to is. the cha- It's only second to the champion coming out first.
0: I've written in my next Which
1: note, is the worst.
0: Similar yeah, for me uh, to the champion yeah. coming out first in entrance for a title. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Well, are you looking at the DVD case there, Mark? DVD, yeah. yeah on Jericho's
2: the on the left and... Uh omega and hangman are on the oh way.
0: how would you that wasn't the way it wasn't the dvd art it's like yeah i'm not I, I refuse to accept this i'm putting them around the right way so there was a great look back video on the twists and turns leading to this match which was heavily featured on the X-Men countdown show we touched earlier on we had talking heads with jim ross and excalibur here and then a longer piece set to a song called paranoid which was perfect for how hangman was being portrayed at the time. I'm convinced this guy would be a mega over babyface by now, had the year continued as planned in front of crowds. And hopefully he can get that momentum back later this year when crowd sizes increase. So this match was just too long and too good to go through move to move. And I'm sure that Dan and Mark will have some more to add on this, but just to jump back in time to what I tweeted after my first viewing of this one, the AEW world Tag Team title match was a masterpiece the best match in company history and the best tag team match I've ever seen in 30 plus years of watching pro wrestling. I watched this match again last summer to end 60 days of watching every Dave Meltzer match that he'd given five stars or more to and wrote, this match was a fitting way to close proceedings, including Kenny Omega, whose battles in 2017 and 2018 were a real highlight of some of the latter days of matches and reminded me why he is right up there in the highest tier of wrestlers with some performances a level of work that stretches the boundaries of what many thought was once once possible. Watching on pay-per-view, I thought this was the best match I'd ever seen. Sorry, the best tag team match I'd ever seen. And on re-watching, my view hasn't changed. What I would add now is this might have been the best match that's ever taken place in North America. A perfect performance from all four men in front of a fantastic crowd and a masterpiece for the ages. So this was my third watching of this, and I still thought this was magnificent. Um, this new style of wrestling with lots of kickouts and moves uh, may not be for everyone, but for my taste, this is up there for me in the very top tier of anything I've ever seen. And I didn't think they overdid it. They did walk a fine line, though. Ultra-athletic in with great storytelling. And the closing sequences from the March 9th Wrestling Observer Newsletter went as follows. Paige Powerbomb Nick through a table on the floor. Omega and Paige did the buckshot V-trigger combo, but Omega had less strength than usual to hold Matt down for the pin as he was selling his injured shoulder, which was a storyline they worked throughout the match. Matt kicked out and Omega used a V-trigger on Matt. Omega tried the one wing angel, but Matt escaped, so Omega wasn't at full strength. Paige then tagged in and hit the one-winged angel, but Nick dove in for the save. That was a great near fall. Paige then used a buckshot lariat from the ring to the ramp on Nick and another from the ramp inside the ring onto Matt for the pin. When it was over, Omega and the Bucks shook hands and celebrated together while getting a standing ovation, but Paige wouldn't participate. This was just over 30 minutes of absolute, pretty much perfection. Um, And this is the most must-watch match I've ever talked about on this podcast so Dan, over to you first. What did you think of oh, Omega and Hangman uh, versus the Bucks? Where
1: do you right? Okay. I mean, if you haven't, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it, just turn this off now. Go and watch it, and then come back for a start. <laughs> but look, I mean, I don't know how we're even going to run through this because you could do a podcast on this match. In my opinion, You could, yeah. That's uh, why I have
0: tried, I've, got, I've gone the other way, and I'm like, you just got to yeah. go and watch it. Basically, I yeah. mean,
1: I know that Mark will have a lot on this. As have I, so I'm just going to try and make some sort of, you know, start on it, and then please, everyone, interrupt me if I if I make a comment. Even if we, even if when we start the preview, the like you said, they picked that song. Um, got to, it was emotional. The preview yeah. was emotional, yeah. Right, like you, and they used not just uh, clips. This is where uh, being the elite come into its own because they use clips from from that. So behind the scenes, adds even more to it because you feel like it's it's sort of real. Um, you know, going back to Omega and Paige in general, I mean, I really like when Nick, there's a few things they said in a preview which really resonated. That I made this even more, the build-up even more tense and emotion. So one was, I like when Nick said, um, when we said we're going to have the best uh, tag team in AW. I assumed it would be us. Yeah. Love that Tag team uh, division, yeah, 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 because, yeah.
2: And um, they were going to be champs. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And and actually going back to that, when as I started, as a pre when Paige and Amiga won it at the Jericho Cruise, I I mean I was up. I loved yeah. it. that. Was, that was also a great match, and they won it, and it was just so well done, and and it really got you to like these two that have sort of been put together. Um, this was also the start of the sort of. As you saw from the preview, the drunk hangman. Yep. they'd done the drunk hangman really well. Um, you know, it was great because the Bucks and and, and Kenny used it as like a, you know we don't drink you know we're clean cut etc not to like a straight edge CM Punk style but you know you shouldn't be drinking. He he just done it really well uh yeah. that part and the other bit I'm going to do the preview first. I'm sure Mark's got some points before we move on further. The other bit that's stuck with me still now, still now, is Nick Jackson saying, you're a jobber in Ring of Honor. That, okay. I still think about that now when I see them interact. That when he said that, I was like, okay, that is, that no wrestler wants to be called that. No. Right? Even if they know they are. Let alone someone that's sitting there as the tag team champion in a promotion where he is one of the main stars, it's brand new to so then be told, you know, you're a jobber before we met you. I was like, that is, yeah, wow. Um, yeah, um, that's the preview bit. I mean, I, Mark, you might have points on
2: that that I don't want to sort of move on if you've got other stuff. Um, yeah, it was an it was an excellent video. Uh, I thought there was a touch of the winner gets custody of Kenny about it, but that was only a, a short <laughs> thing. Um, it wasn't as bad start. as
0: the um sorry to jump jumping mark. But I thought that they they always they, they they do walk that line with these emotional matches. But the one that, <laughs> that um, do you remember the Golden Lovers versus the Bucks uh, at Water Pyramid? that was really like, some of that stuff was quite cheesy yeah. and not the, like, the It's like you're in a wrestling match, get on with it, stop like feeling like heartbroken about all this stuff. But sorry, carry on, carry on.
2: Yeah, they, they covered a lot of what had gone on um, in that video, but the, there's even more to the story that they didn't put in. Um, there's so many layers to this issue with Hangman and the rest of them. I mean, when AEW was formed a year before this pay-per-view, obviously Cody, the books, Kenny and the Hangman were, were the elite. Four of them were became vice presidents of AEW and Hangman didn't. So it, it seems like in storyline-wise, he was left out in the cold a bit and he felt like he's now got to prove himself on his own. And it started well with him winning that battle royal at all or nothing and he became one of the contenders for the first uh, championship match with Jericho, but he lost. And then, after being sort of thrown together with Kenny, they became champions, but Hangman felt like the books were jealous that uh, he and Kenny became champions before they did. He was still he was insecure about how close Kenny is with the books, and uh, he didn't know if he could trust any of the three of them or all of the three of them. Uh, the, there was a lot to it, so I, I liked um, I liked the video and and I liked the storyline going into it. Yeah,
1: and then, and then going back to my uh, entrance theme thing. I mean, again, every match so far. How can you fault these entrances? And I think it's um, all these are done by the same guy, I think. Um, but the butts one is great. It's now actually a ritual with my five-year-old daughter to reenact the, uh, the pose, which I, which I thoroughly enjoy doing. Um, much to my wife going, what's she doing? Uh, <laughs> Paige's one just frustrates me because it's too short. Um, and Kenny's is just great. And you know what? Actually, I did, actually, a little bit. I miss the. Uh, I do love the North Carolina um, yeah, yeah. Uh, thing, but obviously, that's a new thing now. Um, what was interesting with the entrances actually was that the to boot, um, and I think as this match progresses, that that becomes a theme. And I do wonder if they actually expected that. The most
0: popular. I think they were originally going to turn Hangman. And
1: Hangman was yeah. the most popular person in the match. Yeah. He was super over in this match. It's yeah. hard to underestimate bu- how o- how over gen- this guy was. But the Bucks look genuinely shocked. I think, yeah. Like, as in, hang on a minute. There's booze here.
0: Well, I was trying to, I honestly thought match they right? looked
1: yeah. it. Like, yeah. hang on, what's this all about? Um, and you know, we'll mention a bit more about that later. And then before I sort of start talking about the actual match itself what uh, bits from it. Um We were reminded that the ref was the tag team expert Rick Knox. Yeah. Now, now, I was like, and they always say that. I was like, why? So I put Rick Knox into Google, and I'm going to hand over in a minute to someone that's I know for a fact has done more research me on this. But I put Rick Knox into Google, and please tell me, Mark, when you do when you come back that the number one YouTube clip for Rick Knox is a clip of Rick Knox ref in a match at Bar Wrestling 2017. And there's a wrestler called Giant Panda or something like this. And one of the other wrestlers finds a bag of cocaine on the panda, throws it in Rick Knox's face, I think accidentally. And it's a 15 second clip of Rick Knox getting the cocaine in his face, and then losing it, super kicking all the people in the ring, <laughs> taking his taking his uh, re- uh ref's top off, and running out the wi- uh, Sorry, running out the ring and doing a flip onto the people he's kicked out. Wow, I honestly, no, it's a seven about seventeen second clip. So, what I'm trying to say is my findings are as follows: I have no idea why he's a tag team uh, expert. But also, I think he should sort of maybe just stick to the bit. Uh, I'm not sure he can handle it. But anyway, I will now hand over to someone that I know may have have done a bit more research on Mr Knox.
2: I may have misled you when I said this today. (laughs) I've I've done in-depth research on Rick Knox. What I meant was, as we go through the match, uh, there was a lot. He was very noticeable to me for very awesome Nightmare. <laughs> uh, and he, I've, I've made quite a lot of notes about Rick Knox. I haven't done an in depth. Like oh, that. so That's you, the first I've heard about the Panda thing. I, got, I've never honestly, seen that clip. So I'll have to have
1: is, a look. You have to watch. I've just watched it. It's ridiculous. It <laughs> is. I mean, to I be honest, to be honest, look, he gets a face full of cocaine. Fine. But at the end of the day, whoever's supplying the giant panda for it to have that effect that quickly, I mean, that must have been expensive stuff that much you in the face. i am going to say? He's, but he's, yeah, yeah.
0: It's super kicks. Actually, the first super kicks iffy. <laughs> number two and number three decent. So actually, number four is superb. And then he does an incredible <laughs> flip over the ropes. <laughs> I just started, I've got the sound down. I bet the set, the crowd goes absolutely nuts with this. He's just, yeah, he's just about to do the flip now. He's yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous. But sorry, yeah. we're, we're digressing so, away from one of the
1: best anyway, ever to so, a referee doing allegedly tote. So I can only apologise for those listening and thinking I'm going to get the history of Rick Knox and why he's a tag team expert because I've let you down other than maybe suggesting he has a <laughs> substance abuse issue and uh, Mark's <laughs> going to comment on him during the next next uh, next five, ten minutes. Um, I guess for me, if I just start, I'll just start and then I'll move over, Mark, as and went. Um, I loved the start bit just with Paige goading them, uh, the fans singing cowboy shit and all this. Yeah, so so um, it was just really, really good. And I also actually and yeah, sorry, and you could just really feel the tension, particularly seeing Paige and Matt. Um I wasn't a massive fan of Matt. Uh, sorry, Paige spitting at Matt. Um but I also quite like the fact that when Matt was trying to shake Paige's hand, you could tell it was like so insincere. Um, and also it did make me think, given what, a month later, uh, we were in lockdown. Um, can you imagine looking back now? He spat at him. Yeah. <laughs> and a month later, you couldn't go within two metres of someone. and <laughs> spit at them. Um, but yeah, that was sort of the early bit. Um, and then... Also, I did notice early on, the commentators really talked about um, the history of, 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 of them. And um, again, I mentioned this the other week, but I've just finished reading Killing the Business, which is superb. And for me, really gives me a, a sort of a view of what independent wrestling is like and the importance and the amount they work. And, and actually... Interestingly, I remember them saying when I watched this. First of all, oh, these guys know each other because in Japan they spent loads of time on a bus and all this.
4: Mm. And I
1: remember originally thinking, "Yeah, I well, mate, I doubt it. Probably <laughs> we're on Like, a, you know, I was generally thinking, "Yeah, yeah." But see, having read the book, I'm like, "Oh no, that is
3: yeah, that is that it.
1: is the truth." And um, and the actually other thing I was just going to say about that was JR sort of mentions that he. uh commentated for New Japan? Yes. Um, well, when was, was that for a long time? Was, so, he, was he actually out there doing it? Was he No, was he no, inside? so, so
0: uh, New Japan, okay. So so New Japan had a, had a TV show on Access which would basically be kind of retread of stuff that had already happened. Um, and what would happen is that instead of using, sometimes they wouldn't have, sometimes the original wouldn't have English commentary, especially back then, because there wasn't English in- commentaries on many of the events. So they would re-record, him and Josh Barnett, um, I think for, for the vast majority of the time, would re-record commentary in a booth and those, those episodes would be released. So, like Axis would show First Kingdom over like consecutive nights a few months later. Uh, but then they occasionally had, they had probably two or three or maybe four live specials that uh, on New Japan World, I think sometimes they had Kevin Kelly, Sometimes it was Jim Rosh on the access. Sometimes it was a combination of the two. Sometimes they were together. So, yeah, he did a, he did a, few, he did a few live New Japan shows, yeah.
1: Yeah, that was just a side. That I didn't realise that. But um, just finishing on how they built up the tension, um, the Bucks, when they do a move and shout, see ya, Oh, I'll tell you what, I like yeah. that. But can you imagine getting that, like, see ya, and then someone hitting you? I mean,
2: how... The same when like, it, the, there was a spot where he... Um... He bulldogged one of them, and he gave the other one the finger as he ran towards him right, and blindsided yes. him. Yeah. So,
1: yeah, so that was a point I was going to make. I never so when I first watched it, my view was the beef, should we say, was between Paige and and Matt, and Nick and Kenny were there. Calm down, stop doing that. Da da da. And then when I rewatched it, I'd never noticed that Nick done the bulldog, holding his middle finger. Finger up to page. I never noticed that. So this it's sort of like they're the calming influences, but they're also still adding to it. Um, but yeah, I just thought the start of the match had a lot of a lot of that um, sort of element that was building up to make you really get involved and and as we say, you know, you really get into it and forget, you know, they are probably still mates and etc. It made you go, God, maybe they do really. I know. I really, I really felt it was true. If that you mean the way I did it, Um, Mark, I'll hand over to you. for you know,
2: right? This is what I did on my (laughs) own. Yeah. So I'll start by saying I thought it was okay, but I didn't really like it. Oh (laughs) wow! Okay, go ahead. Uh, As you said in your uh, bit at the start, Steve, you said it. It was maybe not for everyone. Yeah. So I think I fall in that camp. Right. Is this a jo- is this, Sorry, I just assumed that was a joke. Let me finish, okay? Right.
1: <laughs> so, and, then, and, then, and then we'll cut you out. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, I'll start by saying my thought process was sort of compromised going into it because, Steve, as you've said here now, a while back on your podcast you said, and in some of our discussions you said, this is one of the best matches of all time and yeah. possibly the greatest match, tag team or otherwise, ever held on in North America. So along with your glowing assessment, Dave Meltzer made it his first ever six-star tag team match and therefore agrees with you that there has never been a better match on American soil.
3: Yeah.
2: And it won the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Match of the Year and the accolades just kept on coming. This is all before I'd seen the match.
3: Yeah, yeah. So
2: it's possible, in the back of my mind, I may have been looking for faults more than one normally would. But with that being said, I do feel like the issues... i'm about to raise are all legitimate the reason i thought it was only okay is because i guess what i look for and enjoy are different things in a tag match than what these guys were doing in this match because tag team wrestling gives the participants some additional ways of telling a story that you you can't do in a singles match and my favorite tag matches take advantage of these various possibilities for example When the heel team cuts the ring in half, beating down one of their opponents while he desperately fights to tag in his partner. There was none of that. And the heels can use distraction to double team their opponent or get a legal tag rendered illegal uh, by distracting the referee without making the referee look too silly. Those are tried and tested techniques to get the crowd invested and get the crowd willing on the good guys to victory. But none of this happened in this match. For starters, there was no babyface team and no heel team. Mm. The way each man portrayed himself throughout it, it came across that Nick, like Dan said, Nick and Kenny were babyfaces. And Matt and Hangman certainly did some heel uh, stuff. Uh, I know Hangman was obviously the clear crowd favourite. But as Dan mentioned, he spat in Matt's face first Mm. early on. And Kenny had to talk him out of putting Nick through a table at ringside. Heelish stuff like that. And, you know, teamwork, the only real teamwork involved was when both members would be in the ring at the same time doing moves together. Um, And then our friend Rick Knox, he he wasn't used or factored into the match at all as referees can be in tag team matches. As the opening bell rang, Excalibur described him as, his official title was, the tag team and multi-man specialist of the AEW Referees Corps. Mm. And, In other words, I I think the Young Bucks like him in there to stay out of their way and not get involved until there's a pin attempt. If you watch every Young Bucks match, it's always Rick Knox refereeing them. And uh, I'm sure that's not a coincidence. I'll I'll continue. Uh, When the Bucks were running through their double-team repertoire at one point, Rick Knox was stood there in the corner counting. Obviously, you've got a five count until the illegal man has to get out of the ring. He got to four, started waving his arms around. Got to five. The young bucks are still stood there doing their thing. Waved his hand around a bit more, and then he counted six. I don't know what that was about. (laughs) He just kept on counting. Um, There was stuff like this. And oh no, hold on, hold on, Mark, hold on. Sorry.
0: Actually, AEW is a ten count for uh, tag team maneuvers. I believe. I
2: think. Ah, well, that changes things. That I did not know.
0: Uh, Is that right, Dan? They used to talk talk about that near the start. That is different. I think there's a 10 count for
1: in and out in AEW. The reason we've discussed that is because we've discussed it in relation to the Mid-South. Yeah. Um, uh,
0: Carry on, Mark. I'll look look that up.
2: Carry on. Yeah, I mean, the, the ineffectiveness of Rick Knox being there was made all the more prominent, I thought, later in this show when each of the other referees... Uh, Bryce Rimsberg in the women's match, Paul Turner in the MJF Cody match and Aubrey Edwards in the main event. They were very vocal when enforcing the rules and they were not made to look ineffective and silly by the wrestlers uh, in the matches. And then I think the thing that really did it for me was the selling. You know, it's not unreasonable to expect some selling to go on in a 30 minute match. Uh, the one time where a guy was being beaten down and struggling to get back to his corner for a hot tag was when Kenny did it halfway through. He made the hot tag and laid on the apron when Hangman came in. He did that blistering series of moves where he dived over the ropes back in, uh, uh, back inside, then the moonsault from the top rope to the floor and everything like that. But it was literally less than three minutes later when Hangman tagged back out, Kenny came in at 100%. He hit Matt with a power elbow in the corner and then did an amazing feat of strength, lifting him off the mat, carrying him around and doing a doctor bomb. The only body part that was worked on in the match was Matt Jackson's back. There's nothing wrong with that idea. It does make sense. But Matt Jackson, after getting his back attacked by both opponents, was the only one of these four wrestlers who kept picking up his opponents to do power moves all the way through. He did a Northern Lights suplex on Kenny and Hangman at the same time. He did three more Northern Lights suplexes on Hangman on the ramp. He hit Kenny with a pile driver. He held Hangman up long enough for he and Nick to do the Indy taker. He held Kenny up for the Meltzer driver until Hangman broke that up. All of these power moves would be noteworthy enough for any £170 wrestler, but this was a 175 pounds wrestler whose back had been the focal point of his opponent's offence. You can, get, you can get great matches where the tag rules are upheld. You can get great matches where it's a free-for-all and there's no tag rules factored in. But when you go from one to the other and then back again, that's where I'm not on board. And they tried to do that a few times. They'd be running around for minutes at a time, everyone doing spots, and then the two of them would go back in the corner and start over again. Uh, clearly, from the awards and the ratings this match has received, it's a very popular style. And it's the one of the best I've seen of that style, but it's not the style I like. And after the bell rang at the end, JR said, now that's tag team wrestling. I disagree.
0: No, I think, I think you make fair points. But do you know what, Mark? And I think the thing that you said right at the beginning of that, about, I think I remember when I, the first Omega Okada, which basically at the time was like, I'd heard, all, this is the best match of all time. And I remember I watched it after, so I wasn't, I was, I was kind of full on Japan, not like it was now. And I watched it maybe a week or so afterwards, and I was exactly the same mindset. I was, I was. Um, this is why I've said this before on the, on the show. Actually, I, I don't want to know about anything, whether it's TV show, film, wrestling match. I don't want to know that you think it's good. I don't want to know that if you think it's bad, because as soon as you tell me that, I'm not starting from a neutral position on whatever this. Is that I'm about to enjoy. I want to make my own. This is why I don't. I try. I, I watch a show, form my own opinions, and then I'll seek out the other opinions of people that I, you know, like. And then I, I'm frustrated sometimes. Well, a lot of the time, when those opinions don't match my especially Dave Meltzer. Some of the stuff that we're going to talk about later on that I personally had a big problem with, and he, he and Alvarez, if it had been WWE, would have torn apart. Um, so, I know what you mean? I, I did notice, actually, funny enough, you said about this in the third watch. I did notice some of the some of the the bit that got me a little bit towards the beginning. of This there was a, there was a I can't remember who it was whether Hangman and, and Kenny were doing the double team or the other or the or the Bucks, but they were doing a double team while the, the fourth man was on the apron watching and didn't do anything about it. But then they just about stopped in time for it to piss me off too much. It it, it is a ten it is a ten count, but I will to to. to Kind of back what you said. If they, if you don't know that from the commentary at the time, then that's a problem. I would say because, because, because you know, yeah, there, there yeah. were
2: times Jim Ross, Jim Ross was saying on commentary, Rick Knox has got to get one of these guys, and he was quite yeah. up about it. He was saying the hell out of here, yeah. and it was like Jim Ross was getting frustrated with it.
0: Yeah, I, I would. So are you going? It was all right for your rating on this. You going recommend?
2: No, I put recommend, yeah. but um, I didn't put the highest rating, which is must watch. Yeah, I wouldn't fine. say it is a must watch.
1: Sorry, I'm just sitting here feeling like someone, as we say in England, is pissed on my chips. So you
0: just found out that uh, Father Christmas isn't
1: real. I, <laughs> the reason I sort of handed over to Mark's, I thought we're sort of we would tag team through our praise for the match, but seemingly he's not tagged me in, um, which maybe he was waiting for the ref to be distracted. Mark, eh?
3: <laughs>
1: but that's this is, this nah, is that. listen, you do you know what do you know what all jokes aside I this is brilliant I absolutely love Mark's view on it and yeah. for me do you know what I just feel like about two inches because obviously in essence you two are my like wrestling gurus <laughs> uh, and for those of you listening we have a WhatsApp group which is, yeah, just well, I me, think which is just you know, me asking how, how long you've
2: been a fan, <laughs> yeah. how long I mean, you've been a fan, and yeah, how mean, much you're into stuff. Yeah, doesn't I mean, have a bearing on whether it's good or not. If you enjoy yeah. it, you know, it's a, it's it. Yeah, fascinating, yeah, fascinating. yeah, yeah I what I'm saying that. Like, it's just I guess for me, look, the things.
0: Sorry, oh, now, look, can I can I just jump in very yeah, very quickly for a second? So I think the the un, the underlying point is about wrestling is wrestling is, wrestling is a performance art. So. You might get a you might you might get a thing in a football match where Lionel Messi dribbles it around eight players and then backflips it into the top corner. And so like, well, no one can dispute that it was an incredible goal. Like you can you might have had a moan about one of the defenders, like should have had a tackle or whatever, but that's an unbelievable goal. And that is all day long. Or Joe Root scoring hundred or Roger Federer with noise those grandstands. That's indispute undisputable, indisputable, whatever you want to. I can't remember which way it is. I'm in, don't care. But that is fact. That's fact. Wrestling is a performance art, and you might you might say, I don't know what bands you guys are particularly into, but you, one, one of you, we might be fans of the same band. Let's say we're big Nirvana fans, and one of you like, well, actually, I really enjoyed uh, Nevermind, but actually, by the time a neutro came around, I didn't really like it, and I might say, well, actually, I really enjoyed a neutro, and that is wrestling. Wrestling is a performance art, and there'll always be things that, like, well, a good example of this is the Boneyard match. I hated that, and lots of, lots of that was widely praised by everybody, and that is that is the wonderful thing about wrestling. There are some things that are just bad that we'll all agree on. I think nine, you know, nine times out of a 100 will we'll think that is not, you know, that is not the right thing. And most like you know, like minded, same minded individuals would think. But stuff like this is very objective. So yeah, it's really good I to get think, a contrary Yeah,
2: I did think going in. Obviously, I knew your thoughts on it, Steve. I assumed Dan would enjoy it as well. I mean, most people love it. Um, but I, I was thinking how the conversation would go like some of the things I brought up for example Matt Jackson uh was the guy that, that worked on his back and then he started picking guys up what what did you two think was that uh, do you think you know it's not a big deal I've I've overhyped it doesn't really matter and much the same way as stuff,
1: oh, I stuff actually, that you liked
2: what I think mentioned, about that Well now you know? you've
1: mentioned that I agree with you but I think by they were, he's they really went for his back. I felt sort of as I went, but a bit into the match. I was already so invested. Um, I'll tell you what. Going back to what we said, you mentioned about the refs' involvement, right? Being being big for you in taxi wrestling, and also yeah. hot tags, but also but also you mentioned you know working on a body part and stuff. For me, I I know there's a place that ref, the refs' involvement being not, but if they're not. I'd rather they didn't. The working on the body part is one of my pet hates. I ate it. All right.
2: Because
1: I'm like, oh, here we go. You're working on that body part. Brilliant. So that means it's going to, nine of fire moves. I, I would say, I don't think it was just the uh, Matt's back. It was also Kenny's arm. Yeah,
2: Kenny's uh, shoulder got a bit of a kicking. I mean, on, actually, and that actually, led to the one winning angel spot, which was yeah. brilliant. That I mean, I did, make,
1: I, I did make a note on that to say, actually, that um, uh, Matt rips the strapping off. And uh, I was a bit like... And it was like a big thing. And I was a bit like, if his arms are hurting, I'm not sure that... You know, you ripping that strapping off is not you ripping his leg off. Um, But what they did do with that bit, going back to building this up, is his hand was shaking. Yeah. And I thought that was superb. I mean, the ripping the thing off, they tried to make... Oh, he's ripped the... You know, okay, he's ripped some sellotape off his arm. I mean, I think it's... You know, it's just big. But um, I yeah I've never really been i get there's a time and place for it and i understand um the ref involvement again time and place but i was i felt it was refreshing that I've just watched a tag match where I didn't notice the ref so don't get me wrong I think it's great when they utilize you know different things where you can get the ref you know in and out and stopping him do things. And, you know, we all know once the ref goes down, it's going to kick off. Something good's going to yeah. happen or whatever. But I liked that this was, I viewed this as in, brilliant. This is a match that's, they just had a match. No one's cheated. They've just had a match. Um You know, no one's injured. No one's used the ref. No one's done things they shouldn't have done. They've just, they've just had a match. And it's, and it's, you know, I mean, other things I'd, I'd had in it is I liked, I liked things like um, Kenny trying to build up the crowd with his da 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 da, da and, yeah. then as he, and then getting kicked. I thought that was superb. Yeah. I, I was literally like, whoa, um, you know, Paige continually getting wound up reminded me again. I don't always mean to bring it back to football, but remind me of when you watch a football game and a player's on a yellow card and you're like, ah, mm-hmm. oh, it's lost his head. It's <laughs> gone it's gone and I liked how they built that up as in you thought he was actually going to do actually you thought he was going to then maybe get them disqualified or whatever it may be um, yeah I mean the other things I mean some of the moves are great Um, you know uh, I thought Nick Dunner. they called it a Destroyer you guys after yeah,
3: no, I, uh, destroy, yeah, yeah. Soup.
1: I mean all reality how are you kicking out of that like, seriously, how are you? Like, well, madness. this is good yeah, question, but this, this is, yeah, this yes, is kind of yes. some of it. So, yeah. I get that. So, I get that bit. I get that bit completely, right? I, I understand that. Um, and it was a match where people were continually kicking out of things, and you know, but, but we but do this see is, that in some yeah. of the best matches. Um, yeah, you know, if I just had to, you know, finish on my points, I mean, um, I've got one actual technical question that I'll ask you two in a minute. Um, they. Again, this match, they also mentioned, as well as previous promotions, there was a nod to like Motor City Machine Guns. Which I like all that. Yeah. Uh, you know, not trying to claim it as your own, not trying to claim, you know, uh, where have they come up with that from? Oh, they, they borrowed it. All good. I'm glad you noticed it. Um, I didn't think it was amusing when Matt, and you're right, having watched his ribs probably wouldn't have been in a position to do this, but suplexed Page twice. And then, for some reason, got a conscience on the third one. And <laughs> It's okay. It's like, what, what I think that about? was,
2: the third one was off the wooden part of the In ramp, on the, glass. the perspex yeah, part, yeah, which yeah. might have been different. Yeah.
1: Which he got over pretty quickly because then he's done a Meltzer driver um, since it was done. Um, I also actually did really like, and again, this is the thing. I've just said it's frustrating sometimes when you kick out of a good mood but I really like when they hit the golden trigger, as they called it, and Kenny kicked out after one.
2: Yeah, I did like
1: that. But then again, then again, I'm a Hulk Hogan fan, where, yeah, of course you do. Then you're meant to go mad. Do you know what oh, I mean? That's what, you yeah. know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's that. And then um, I fought the bit with the one-wing angel where Paige come in and then he did it. I thought that was so well done. I thought it was brilliant and I also thought very clever that they kicked out it adds such it adds so much to that move doesn't it that if Omega does it you don't kick out yeah
3: Um,
1: which I thought was brilliant Um, (laughs) I won't I assume we're going to move on to the post match scene if I keep it to the, the match one thing I would say about that Buckshot Lariat as they call it it reminds me a little bit of you know when you would watch a player do a long throw and he does a massive run up and then he stops on the line anyway and throws it there yeah. I always think to myself he's lining himself up and then when he lands on his feet he stops
4: I'm <laughs> no, so I'm like like,
1: the you, you completely the spring, stop yeah. the momentum yeah. like that is not making it any any better like like yeah say remind me of someone going oh I've got a long throw I'm going to do a big run up run up to the line and then they stop and just throw it um but again, you, he does hit them with some with some Fud. And to be honest, I assumed that that having watched that match all the way through and watching it again, I assumed that it was gonna have to be a one wing angle to win it. Hmm. I didn't think that was gonna win it. That actually half annoyed me a little bit, actually.
0: I think it had to be uh, hangman,
1: wouldn't it, but though? I exactly. Think. And yeah. that's how I that's how yeah. I went. It's very good, it's him. Yeah. And actually when it moved into the well, I might as well start it now, the post-match. His music playing in the background of all their music, mm. I think, worked the best because he's got that sort of, I don't know, a bit of passion in there. But I would say
2: the post-match stuff Before you just was... go on to that, Dan, I was just going to yeah, say, yeah, yeah. just had a thought about the logic behind the bookshop lariat. I wonder if the springy part of the ropes propels him further yeah, into, into the ring summer, with more you know? momentum for the clothesline. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. So,
1: but when it got to the post-match, um, that, you had his music playing and the buck, the young Bucks then looked very genuine. And to be honest, I was a bit like, get out of the ring. You've lost. Well, I appreciate what you're doing. You've lost. But the bit when Page drops that bell and looks like he's going to go for Kenny, that is perfect television. That is, to me, TV, film worthy. Subtle Subtleness, um, just absolutely brilliant. Um, I found myself, I've watched it a few, I, well, I'll put it, I reckon I've watched the end bit there as much as I've watched the whole match. Mm. When I got much time, sometimes I remember thinking, was that as good? And I remember just watching it. And I reckon every single time I've watched it, when... Adam Page walks out the ring, grabs a beer and cheers. I think I've cheersed him every single time I've watched it. Huh. Um, I also wonder, would I have took that drink? There's some suspectable characters in that crowd. Probably um, a plant,
3: I mean, think. I would hope like, like yeah. so.
1: Um, but, look, for me, it's a must-watch. If I had to sum this up, this match made me go, this was a great decision of mine. To in essence, the tagline "Join the Revolution."
3: Yeah, this yeah, was, this yeah, made me
1: nice. that match made me feel like I was watching the Attitude Era again when I was in my early teens. I got goosebumps watching it at the time. I got it again when I rewatched it for this. I know what's happening. I still I couldn't you know you I couldn't help myself. I was like, "This is," and I literally because I finished. I watched it again, and I and I uh, rang a colleague. um, Oh, Tony, who's been on here before at work, and he went, You're all right. And I just went, I've just finished it. It's just, it's just something else, isn't it? It's just something else. And we finished the call, and I understand he then texted me and went, I'll put it on. <laughs> um, it made me go, Yeah, do you know what? That, this is why I'm watching this. Um, and yeah, I mean, and it's not just, you know, I was going to mention earlier on, actually, to be honest, that, you know, this, this sort of, Again, it's not all about this match, but this promotion, you know, the whole, I love a Thursday morning watching Dynamite. I mean, I've been known to up on a Wednesday, the Saturday pay-per-views, which unfortunately now look like they, well, hopefully this is a one-off. But it gives you the opportunity to, to sort of stay up. And if I'm honest, I was uh, honestly going to say until um, he's completely ruined my opinion of him is I also look forward to my Saturday morning uh, wow. review text from, from Mark, which, you know, listeners of this won't get, but I actually generally can't wait to hear what he thinks. <laughs> so, do you know what? It's just, yeah, it's just all these different things. It's just make you go, yeah, this is... And, and this match was just the epitome of it. So I couldn't disagree with Mark more as much, but, again, some opinions that I hadn't even thought about, and you're right, you know, things like... the. Matt Jackson thing. I didn't even think about it because I just was so into it. And as I said, I don't want I don't want a ref involved. I don't I don't want these things. So you know, each their own. But yeah, no, I thought that was I did not expect you to have that opinion, Mark. So actually, I quite actually like that you have in a roundabout way. So it's a rattle on there. But I, I assumed I was going to cover my bits at the same time as Mark. But obviously, I I didn't have to stop him because I didn't know what he was going to slag off next.
2: <laughs> so <laughs> just to let on in a group chat in the days that have passed should i mention the fact that i'm not really keen but no I'm, no right, no, this is perfect, no, perfect. no this is brilliant
4: um,
0: it's interesting about the selling because i know what you mean mark it's I, it's almost like in the right in your in your own right context in your own right setting you can let some of this stuff slide and you can you can allow for the, all the kickouts because it's like a you know it's, this is the big-time match. You wouldn't expect people to kick out stuff on like this on the weekly TV, but I've got a big problem later on this show about selling, even though perhaps I'm being a hypocrite, so we'll see on that. Just to close off on this match, so we've got a recommend and two must-watches, but in terms of match racing together, we talked about a lot of this is style, a lot of this is personal taste, but as Mark touched on, Dave Meltzer gave this match six stars. Only two matches exist in history that were ever raced higher, and that was Okada versus Omega 2, uh, which is a 60 minute draw at dominion spoiler alert which got 6.25 and omega versus a card of four which got seven stars so this is the only north American pay-per-view match in history to be awarded six and just the second match held in north america ever to achieve this honor and um, the first was a live event match between ricky Steamboat and rick flair that dave attended in march 1989 so that wasn't one of the three famous ones but there is a very dodgy version of that out there if you want to watch that um, the other three six-star matches were from Japan. Omega versus Okada one and three got six stars, plus Masawa versus Kawada from All Japan in June 1994.
2: Yeah, the, um, the tease after the match that Dan mentioned, I remember at the time, even though I hadn't seen the match, hearing all about this tease that Hangman, was he going to uh, do the lariat and attack his partner or whatever, and it was a big deal, and I really enjoyed when I did see it but I thought there was another slightly less obvious one that preceded that I don't know if you two met, noticed but when Hangman was still in the ring leaning on the ropes the three other guys behind him all sort of stood side on sort of uh, side side on suggesting the possibility of a true yes, super king. I remember that. that Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it was just for a brief couple of seconds and then Hangman turned around and they all sort of moved position again just the same way as Hangman had his hands that way teasing his thing and then he just, uh, he, he, he didn't. Uh, uh, yeah, overall, it was I definitely... I did notice
1: that, sorry, but do you know
2: what? Now you've
1: Yeah, I noticed it, but thought it was an accident. Well, the commentators both... didn't say anything about that one, nah, so maybe it was. And even I thought, I thought no, no, they don't no, that.
0: I think it. Was, but I think it was by something. Do you know what? It's funny. I don't think I've ever watched that post-match too much after, other than the first one. And I always turn it off after the pimple. But yeah, I remember that from the first time they were all lined up for a super kick, weren't they, basically? So... Yes, so mixed thoughts, but I think whatever your view is, I think if you're listening to this and you're not sort of familiar, familiar with this stuff, you can find this match online, give it a go, because this is, this is a pretty good example of kind of modern, indie, you know, fast-paced, kick-out of everything, and it could be for you and it could not be, but yeah. Right, we're moving on now to um, the AEW Women's World title match with Nyla Rose defending against Chris Statlander. Um, I thought the video proving this was, was decent, uh, but, and, and they made it feel like a pretty big deal, though they were in an absolute death spot on this card, like the most death spot of death spots. Um, so Excalibur tried to play them with Statlander's outer worldly gimmick prior to the match, saying that she was not used to the Earth's atmosphere and had been suffering with flu all week. Um, and this sounds pretty awful, as I recap it, but it was actually done fairly well and completely tongue-in-cheek. And Ross advised viewers not to expect a front, a, a frunk? A funk and briscoe technical classic. So really setting the viewers up for something wonderful here. I thought Statlander got a decent reaction from the Chicago crowd in a championship reintroduction. Um, And Nyla Leso with some some tepid boos. Um, And as I said, the placement of this match on the card is a huge bugbear I have with AEW and also WWE. So for me, combat sports cards should be booked from start to finish in order of interest. And a match should never be booked in a spot where it can't succeed. And this is exactly what happened with this. The tag match obviously should have been in the semi-main event spot. Maybe, for me, I would have probably had it as the main event, uh, but perhaps not given where the finish was going for that. And I understand the justification on the world, the, the, the singles world title on last. But there should never be a buffer match. I don't believe in buffer matches on pay-per-view. Um, and if it's considered a buffer match, it shouldn't be on the show in the first place. New Japan, New Japan aren't perfect. But this is one thing they never mess up on. The cards are booked in order of importance. And even better... Uh, the card and the order is always revealed ahead of time, like with the UFC does with their events. So you can still do a, you, know, you can still do a fast-paced opener. It just might mean that there's, you know, maybe a couple of couple of guys that are, you know, less and There's less of a personal issue, but that can go first and still lighten the crowd up. And then you get something else after. It's like Mark said with Guevara and Allen. If you're doing the Hager and uh, Hager and Dustin match, have a second. Crowds already hot and you can build from there. But yeah, this was um, this was just in a very very tough spot. Um, Statlander, I thought, worked particularly hard, um, hitting two great topos to the outside, but this was largely in front of silence, and at times he sort of descended a little bit into slow motion. Um, the finished saw Statlander go for a top-rope Frankensteiner. Rose blocked it and used a powerball off the riddle rope for the pin in a very long 12 minutes and 41 seconds. I feel a little bit bad saying this was a skip, as it was a combination of relatively inexperienced workers trying their best in an awful spot, on pay per view, but nonetheless, I can't recommend anyone watching this. And it wasn't quite at the level for it. it was all right for me. And Mark, thoughts on Nyla versus Statlander?
2: Um, starting with the video before the match, it had Talking Heads, uh, Nyla Rose, Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone, and Taz, but there was no Statlander in the video, which surprised me because I'd I'd recently listened to her talk for an hour on the AEW podcast. And I found her very interesting and engaging, so I was surprised she wasn't included and, and part of the build. Uh, I think her gimmick about.
0: was she can't speak English because she's an alien. I,
2: I did not know that. No. Um, they didn't mention that on the podcast either. No, well, she, yeah, I, I guess she
0: wasn't in character on the podcast, but, uh, yeah. yeah, it's bizarre, isn't it? Because you're saying that she... I, I haven't heard that. But, so she
2: just does the boop and she doesn't say anything.
0: Yeah, clearly there's someone with some character on there, so why have you got to play on a character that... Some personality, this
2: does not speak, but yeah, sorry, Mark, carry on. Yeah, um, uh, Nyla Rose has, has got such an aura. Um, she looked very cool making her entrance. Jim Ross didn't help when he said the object printed on her gear looked like the Chick fil A logo, but Excalibur and Tony ignored that, thankfully. Um, and I thought it was a shaky start for Statlander, she almost. Blew a leapfrog attempt when one oh, foot barely yes, yes. left the ground. Yeah, and then after being shot, shoulder tackled from there, she attempted and failed to land a nip up. Um, I've been in that position and it's not a nice feeling. Um, <laughs> there were some bad decisions by Chris, like the time Nyla threw her in the ring from the ramp. Statlander then bounced off the opposite side and attempted a dive through the ropes, which Nyla sidestepped easily because usually a suicide dive is done to an opponent who is staggered or caught off guard. Hmm. This was the first time I've ever seen someone try one on an opponent who was neither of those things and saw the whole thing coming a mile off. Um, but yeah, the, my other comments were about the the crowd. I mean, it was deathly quiet for most of the match. As both women were down and, and the referee was counting up, up to an eight count, you could have heard a pin drop. Yeah. Um, I know that's a well-known and common side effect of having an all-action, epic match in the middle of a show like the tag team match was, but you summed it up perfectly, Steve. You know, if if it's a match that isn't going to get a reaction, then it shouldn't be there in the first place. Yeah. Um, I like the spot where... There was a spot where Chris Statlander was draped over the rope while Nyla climbed up the turnbuckle and she walked away on her hands away from that corner. I thought that was good. That got a bit of crowd reaction. And, um, and then she she kicked out of the beast bomb, which surprised me. I wasn't expecting anyone to be kicking out of recognised finishing moves in this match after there had been so much of that in the previous match. Mm. Um, and near the end there, there was a scary moment as Statlander did a top rope superplex. Her steadying leg missed the top rope completely and she fell back early. But luckily, Nyla was able to flip and land as intended. And then it was noticeable in the aftermath of the Rick Knox stuff, uh, how authoritative Bryce Rinsberg was being with loud counts, and warnings, as well as literally pulling Statlander off Rose for too many closed fists. That was a big contrast to uh, the previous match as well, but I've said enough about that. What's your rating for this one, Mark? I thought it was all right. I, I wouldn't have said skip. you so know. Was harsh as of, me these moments. Yeah, yeah not, yeah, not no, as harsh as me. Fun, fun moments and a big finish with the uh, move off the ropes. Dan, what
0: you, What are your? Some of your thoughts on this uh, Nyla versus Statler uh, match? I know you're a big fan of women's wrestling,
1: so I expect okay, this to be glowing. So, yeah, I always have to apologise in advance. It's nothing. I'm not being rude. It's just not for me. Maybe you know, goes back to what we were discussing before. But um, I just, I just think
0: that you. I think what it is, Dan, is that I think that you've not, you've not in the stuff that you've seen, like the WWE stuff from. The era that we, you know, we watched at the same time, and and some of the AEW stuff is that, that you almost need. I, th- I think that the top tier stuff you haven't been exposed to. Agree. Yeah, and that, I think that I think that's what it boils down to. There, um, there will be some. There will be some matches that you'll. I think we in this tournament. If if it, whoever gets into the final Shida versus Thunder Rosa
1: or. All right, Sheeta. All right, Sheeta. One thing I would say, and I. Yeah, I've just done it so that's why it's fresh in the mind but the last when I said I watched all the rumble events I, I watched the women's times as well mm. and um, again one thing I would say is you know 30 women coming in when I used to watch like you said it wasn't about how good you were at wrestling yeah. like, it was about how you looked um, and actually what I did notice in these rumble matches actually is you know what, It's quite a good some of these, but actually, I get it, I saw, I, I'm i starting to come round to it, um, however, even if I was round to it, I don't think this would be a match that would uh-huh. uh, spin the dial for me, um, I'm going to let you all in on a secret, Chris Staplanter isn't from another planet, she's from New York, <laughs> and they, they haven't done that as well. Uh, you First can find out. I can't
2: speak English, now I find yeah, out.
1: That. Yeah, she's actually from New York, everyone. Um, maybe, you know, they should have done a little bit of a better job on that one. But, um, for me, the match, yeah, look, Nyla was fairly dominant. Even when Statlander was on top, I never thought she was going to win. At the time, I remember thinking that Statlander was decent, but this came too early. So, because Rosa only recently won it, I think, or well, this is her first sort. Of
2: she sport. said in the video before it, it was her first defense. Yeah,
1: and I think Statlander, I think it's currently injured, but we'll be back. Whatever, is decent, and but this come too early for her. Um, and yeah, the only one the walking on hands. I thought was quite cool. Again, don't mean to keep bringing it up, but reminded me of these rumbles where you've got Kofi Kingston and is it Naomi? who clearly they factor in yeah. different ways of, um, I mean, just to clarify, the, the early ones are quite funny. Because I've watched them one in a row. So you guys would have watched them years apart. So it probably was always funny. When you watch them in a row, it gets quite tedious by the end. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but just reminded me of that. But um, yeah, look, it's, it was a hiding to nothing, as we would say, having the match there. Um and again, unfortunately, because it was it was just too early for Statlander. So you're also not only you're watching it, you know you know she's going to lose. So it's a double whammy, really. Um, of so it was a it, it was a skip for me. I wouldn't waste any of my day watching that.
0: No, fair. fair. I agree. I, I, I can't. Yeah, I think it's, it was alright. There's some like redeeming quality, and I I couldn't really find one here. Um, Right, up next, MJF versus Cody, and we got a tail of the tape on screen and then a very good recap of the feud, uh, with them being friends, ultimately MJF throwing in the towel on Cody's behalf during his world title match against Jericho, and then him turning on him and all the things Cody had to go through to get to the match, including the steel cage match against Wardlow and the lashes on Dynamite, uh, which I was not looking forward to, but actually ended up being tremendously well done, I thought. Um, MJF came out first, and then we got a look back at Cody backstage walking with Arn and Brandy and the first sight of his atrocious neck tattoo. Dan, what did you make
1: of this ink work when Cody first revealed it? So um, I have a Fulham tattoo on my leg, which um, I get sometimes people go, look at that. What you got that for, right? I've got it. The minute I turned 18, I've got it. It's our new badge, which is a bit simplistic, but it has meaning to me, right? But guess what? I like it which is great. And number two, it's on my leg. So when people don't like it, guess what? Come on, on, some trousers. (laughs) Cody comes up with a logo and smashes it on his neck. Unless he has a wardrobe of turtlenecks, um, that's there. I mean, look, it's not a bloke that's probably going to have to be worried about hiding it for a job interview. But, what? What? And also, I was just thinking as well, like, Brandy's okay that. Uh, she I think, think I read
2: online she did not. She wasn't very happy about it. I could be wrong, but I'm sure I've read that somewhere. She said publicly that she's not a fan. I mean, it's... It I'm is... not surprised. It's absolutely shocking, isn't
1: it? <laughs> I mean, only is it awful, but just to clarify the point I've made here, when Cody comes out, he comes out with the Nightmare Family, OK? I have seen scarier families at uh, bus stop <laughs> than than that. So not only is he play, he's playing a homage on his neck to, you know, oh, this is my nightmare family. Who has that entourage there? Is anyone in that dressing room scared of? None. Mm. Number one, also, why do you keep coming out with them? I, like, I mean, they they pain me. They absolutely pain me because we talked about Dustin earlier and he I know, you know, you have some views on him, Steve, but He's him, he's his level, you know. Cody, you're, to me, you're decent. You are up here. Stop bringing this riffraff out of you. Um, And certainly don't get the
2: logo on your neck. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Mark, I don't know what you... I I did some research on this. Um, Researching the show, uh, they covered it in that week's Being the Elite episode. Um, He did Dynamite on the Wednesday night and he turned up at this um, uh, computer game convention. I think it was in Chicago on the Friday with a big uh, woolly scarf on uh, hiding it. And the Young Bucks were there and they said to him, he must have got it on the Thursday, the day in between. And um, I remember it got mixed reviews from fans online, uh, obviously, and some of them thought it was fake or temporary. But as we now know, it was the real deal. Um, one, one thing I don't know I've never heard Cody say about the significance of the positioning of it or anything else but I remember at the time I saved a tweet, it was Brian Pillman Jr saying, I don't know if it's just his theory or if he spoke to Cody it's in such a prominent place where it can't be easily covered up because Cody believes in his nightmare family so strongly that he's literally put his neck on the line for them God, what an idiot
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah.
2: basically, I've got I've got a
0: quote here from uh, from Uncle Dave, and he said he was watching this show with his brother, and his brother said when he watched the match, he said that Cody went from being such a good looking guy to looking like a drug addict. And I think that pretty much summed it up, really. So you sure do is. not get a tattoo on your neck,
1: just a joke. Um, so basically, obviously, if you're listening to this with a tattoo on your neck, um, please keep listening. <laughs> please yeah. subscribe please like uh, I mean okay to be, shop. to be fair I've got no if,
0: you, if you're if you covered in tattoos head to toe, you're, you're next I've got no problem with tattoos I have an awful one myself Um, but if you have if you you know if you're tattooed you're tattooed tell us more, tell us more. Um,
2: uh, whoa 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 uh, well go back
0: I um. I don't really want to tell that story on the podcast actually I don't mind mis- I don't mind messaging the uh, WhatsApp group but there's an element of that story that is uh, is not great. You can so, say the,
1: ta- the tattoo is wrestling based, though. Right? Well, the
0: tattoo now is 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 a tattoo of um, of Randy Savage's uh, of go- goggles and stars next to it, but it replaced another tattoo that I had earlier in my life, and it was. Uh, it was you, it, are,
2: you have told me. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah it
0: was it was replaced yeah. because of a uh, uh, a sabbatical that someone in my life went on. So we'll leave we'll leave it there um so yes so basically um there was a uh, what i always think is an absolute surefire babyface reaction killer came next and that's live interest so this is the first of two live interest musics on this show one that worked phenomenally well and it was you'll hear at the start of the show and and this that was awful so Cody's theme tune is great and this was dreadful this band butchered this, Downstate, I think they called. They absolutely butchered it. It was hurting my brain while I was, while I was typing the notes. Killed the crowd, coded his best to liven them up, but they were being assaulted by this. And um, I should mention at this point, the crowd had these sort of flashing light things um, that would change colour, I presume on their wrists, and, and they were all, I presume, centrally controlled because they were always the same colour, which actually looked quite good. And this theme tree just went on and on and on and on. It just was never ending. Um, Eventually, when it finished as a big Cody chant, I presume people were just so thrilled that this was over. They decided to, to chant for Cody. I thought MJF looks in the best shape of his career here, just phenomenal, and also a lovely tan as well. I do miss him that nice spray tan prior to a stag Um, so just before, well, early in this MJF. Sorry, gets- just to clarify,
1: I I actually had a question to say. Oh God, on, go on. What do you two? Because I know there's been some big WWE events where. Music's been live,
3: yes, yeah,
1: and maybe you two have been to them. I don't know. Um, I can remember it from my WrestleMania uh, watch, uh, you know, marathon. What are your thoughts? Because mine was exactly what you said for this yeah. instance. Number one, it didn't work. Number two, when I'm watching and I'm not, maybe if you're there, it works, but when I'm watching on the telly, that's a tough thing to get right. Yeah, because it doesn't have that. You've got people looking forward to hearing that song.
0: Yes, yes.
1: You know, I've been talking about theme tunes the whole way through this thing. Um, the point I'm trying to make, actually, with this is they're good. Most people have pretty decent theme tunes, yeah. right? He has got one. The build-up is... I think the build-up, I like... Uh, his, his preamble before his song, I think, should be saved for pay-per-views. It frustrates me that he uses that whole... You know, I'm not going to sing it, but you know, the bit before uh, Dynamite shows, but it does really build it up. But then when they kicked in, I was like, oh, come on, I wanted to get, I wanted to get into that. Yeah. Um, but you two probably have come across, seen more. So I'm interested in what you you, you both think. Uh, Martin, you whether he here? just got it wrong, so whether he just got this wrong, or whether it, generally it's not a thing.
2: Think, thinking back to some, Steve and I have experienced a few live, but also what I've seen on TV. I think it, more often than not, it I it's like you're saying, it diminishes the quality from just playing the song. Yeah. Um at WrestleMania seventeen, Motorhead famously did a really dodgy performance of Triple H's song. Lemmy was forgetting the words and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um it was great to say you'd heard Motorhead perform live, but um that was that. And then the year after, I remember Saliva and Drowning were oh, both doing entrances, but the highlight of that was when um uh Stacey Keebler was dancing on stage with Saliva. I enjoyed that. Well, they did the Dudley's theme song, um, uh, but uh, yeah, uh, more often than not, the sound quality you know, you're, you're trying did to Liv put biscuit it Did biscuit do the... one
1: live that you guys were did today.
2: They... Uh, Steve was there, yeah, uh, uh
1: rolling the the side,
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah,
2: that worked though, didn't it?
0: Yeah, but then that's a that's a super popular theme tune and they yes. did good job, good job doing it. I
2: actually. thought I'm not a huge fan, but I thought Kid Rock at WrestleMania twenty five actually sounded decent quality for those he did like a um, a mashup of his songs while the women were coming out for the battle yeah, That loads, was all right. Yeah, That, that was, was alright, okay.
0: to be fair. Um so basically in going into this match, um MJF hit a fan's cap off in the crowd after retreating um, and I thought this might have been a plan, but I can imagine someone not taking it too kindly to that. As an example, with CM Punk once spinning backfist to someone in the crowd, that he thought had grabbed him, was actually someone else, and then he also tossed the beer in the face of somebody else. Do you think these two were plants, or do you think these were legitimate fans? I don't.
2: I I didn't think so. I think he's he's just testing the boundaries. Yeah. I
1: I, I didn't think so. I didn't think the person that gave his beer was the only reason I think people are plants is because you tell me.
0: Yeah, I always always get the feeling. No, yeah, I get the feeling, and obviously they can't do this now, and obviously we're we're a long time past this now, but I got the feeling a lot in AEW's early days that they would be using plant, which I've got no problem with. I'd rather they use a bloody plant here than someone, you know, imagine what would have happened if some, like the like, absolute nutter would like laid him out here because you can imagine a fan doing that you, that's you know, why
1: you're not that's why you're not allowed in the front
0: row well, yeah, exactly right? that's why I got, got banned as you start um, but no, you, th- you think you think, you think here, so, don't do something like here someone's been on someone's been on 10 beers deep and like someone knocks it yeah yeah, yeah yeah so yeah, like yeah. Yeah, I, I, plan, I, yeah I kind
1: of feel like it might have been fun, but who, who knows But maybe the people that watch that go to these events aren't the same people that we go to Fulham with well, yeah, perhaps. It might be a yeah, while, mate. That's, probably, that's probably a fair shot. Uh, <laughs> they might um, watch an event and before they turn up, actually only have a couple of beers. <laughs> yeah, they
0: can remember
1: something.
0: Uh, later, Brandy threw a drink in the face of Wardlow, which I thought was very uncalled for. And I was once on the receiving end of that in Tiger Tiger and I stumbled to the toilet temporarily blinded. Did like you deserve that. it? Uh, I don't think I did, actually. No, I didn't. On that occasion, I didn't. I only have hazy memories of it, but I didn't really deserve it. Um, it felt I, had,
1: like... I, had a, I had a bucket of water thrown over my head in Amsterdam. Um, wow. What over there? Watch for England be Holland. Trying to pan round all the fans singing in the red light district, not realising that you cannot have your phone pointing towards the, the nice ladies that are trying to entice you into their shop. <laughs> um, and one of the larger gentlemen that works in the shop. Poured a bucket of water over my head, um, to which point I thought, oh, That's that order, Who was that? Look up to find, in essence, X amount of thousand England fans singing, Who Are You? <laughs> while I'm looking for my mate for moral support, and he's leading the song. Um, and I can assure you, when you get an unexpected bucket of water or pipe, it ain't nice.
0: Um, <laughs> I was in Amsterdam that day it was 2006
1: wasn't it Jermaine Defoe year I
0: went uh, was it one or draw
1: two two I think we went different years I think we just talked about this
0: oh different must have been different years I, Andy Johnson was playing the year I went no, uh, no, no, I no. didn't no. score no okay fine um, okay so where are we Brandy threw it into his face blah 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 MJF took off Cody's boot with the story being that Cody broke his toe legitimately doing the moonsault off the top of the cage Uh, onto Wardlow and their earlier match. uh, And then in a move that got a big reaction, um, basically MJF bit Cody's toe. MJF was then busted open. I don't know if I looked in the wrong direction here, but blading expert Dan Phillips, did you spot this? No.
1: No, No, I
2: didn't.
1: What did he do? Okay, Mark. Mark, from what I understood, Cody, with his bare foot, kicked him off the apron. Then it all kicked off with other things. So... You know, my next expert, where I try and see what they've done here, it, it all panned away. And then he emerged with blood on his face.
2: Yeah, he come up back into the ring after falling out the side opposite the hard cam, so you couldn't see him down there. I believe he was blading at that point, because the yeah. only connection oh, that he made yeah. was what was a pretty tame disaster kick, Correct. Cody's yes. move, where he springs off the ropes and kicks. Completely but he agree. him with the right foot, the one with the exposed broken toe, which... Again. Yeah, so Matt you got Jackson with a bad back's going to pick people up. Why are you using your toe to kick someone in the face? Also, he got kicked barefoot, and it—I mean, he was bleeding. Yeah, and and yeah, in terms of whoever made the decision, this is how I'm going to start bleeding. How how does that happen? No. Yeah, maybe
1: he should just go. On. Do you know what? That hasn't worked.
2: All you yeah. have to do is ram him into a ring post. Something simple yeah. like that. Or just, done.
1: Yeah, or he gets back up and goes, "That didn't work." Right? Yeah. If I run over there, they'll fr- throw me into something.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, that, I that, that was... I, I did not, was,
1: not like that at all,
0: yeah. Yeah, very strange. Um, so Brandy obviously had to get involved did a cross-body block on Paul Wardlow. This ended up with Cody inadvertently kicking Arnance on, on the outside. Near fall for MJF after a low blow on Cody with the ref's back turned. Crowd didn't really buy in, but did follow up with a bit of a Cody charm. The crowd also didn't buy on a near fall from MJF, from an MJF crossroads. Um, Cody also inexplicably managed to convince the ref it was okay to use his well weight belt after he had earlier stopped MJF from doing so. Um, it felt like they were trying to do a kind of epic and dramatic match here, but for me, this was so overbooked. It just didn't really work. MJF pretended he was sorry for what had happened previously, but ended up spitting in Cody's face. Cody then hit two crossroads, which we're talking about selling. MJF completely no-sold, punched Cody with the ring on his hand that he got out of his trunks for the one, two, three, and twenty-four, thirty-six. 24-36. So, I wrote on Twitter at the time that this was really underwhelming with a horrible finish, and I stand by that. How does Cody survive everything and end up getting KO'd by a tiny ring? How does NJF come straight back after two crossroads? This was not for me, and I have to give this one a skip. And it felt like a WCW main event straight out of late 1999, early 2000. Mark, what did you, my question mark is, have I been harsh there, and what did do you do think of this? Uh,
2: no, I, I agree with everything you said about specifically about the finish um i did put as a um uh, the rate in uh, it was all right rather than a skip but i'm just more generous like that um <laughs> go uh, all i was going to say about the match you covered most of uh, the notes i made about it uh, going right back to the entrance uh, there are way- there are ways you can make an entrance a bit more spectacular for a pay-per-view but there is such a thing as going over the top. And Cody's entrance had literally everything. He had a grandiose orchestral intro. Then he had a live performance of his regular theme song. He had a platform elevating him up to the ramp. He had huge pyro going off. And he had an eight-person entourage, including a Hollywood movie star in Stephen Amell. Um, I know Dusty Rhodes used to call himself the common man, but his youngest son has certainly gone in a much different direction with his persona here. Uh, but um, during that entrance it was Brandy dancing and singing along which is what uh, my attention was mostly drawn to Ah, I can't imagine why um, any more thoughts on this one Mark sorry carry on uh, just um, I, again going back to the referee thing uh, besides Mr Knox in the tag match I, I've got nothing but praise for the referees here I did notice that thing you said about uh, giving him the all clear to do another illegal shot but before that uh, I, I like when referees act like normal people instead of gullible idiots. So after MJF had hit the heat seeker and for his pin attempt went to put his feet on the ropes for leverage with help from Wardlow, Paul Turner, instead of doing the count, just looked at them both as if, to say, corn cool lads, really, and uh, didn't do the count. So nice bit of logic in the middle there.
1: Yeah, indeed. Dan, what did you think of this one? Yeah, it's a couple of um, nods to the old school. Yeah, and MJF proper old school heel in this I I felt Um,
0: can I just say something about him I'm sorry to interrupt can I just interrupt well you've done it now (laughs) well I I, I have I, I have MJF people people you know they they bloody hold this guy in such high esteem there's a certain you know there's a certain section of wrestling Twitter and he's like oh my god this guy's the second coming of Roddy Piper and blah 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 and crikey like what an unbelievable heel. He's like, yeah, he cuts a decent promo. He's bang average in the ring, and he's never done anything. And I don't think he ever will do. To be honest, I know he's a young guy, but I just don't see this as being. This guy is never gonna be. And I could be wrong. I hope I am. I don't see this guy ever being a top line heel, a top line, a real legitimate top line heel or top line babyface. He is not serious enough. He's a bit of a comedian. He's obviously sharp on his feet, but he's not good enough in the ring and he'll never be a top star in this business. And that is my thoughts. Dan, back to you. And jump in, Mark, if you think, if you, uh, contrary views are welcome. So yeah, jump in, but I just, I just don't see the hype of this guy.
2: I I think it's fair in the, um, you know, you, you he's got the character locked down. He's very effective with his promo work, but you just don't, Don't want to see his match. Well, me personally, I've got no interest in his matches.
0: Such a good point. So I I think this was, this was about, so when the Miz and the Daniel Bryan stuff was happening, um, I think maybe Alvarez or maybe what Meltzer said this. You're like, yeah, yeah. He's really like entertaining. You know, the promos are good. He's an entertaining guy. He speaks really well. Got no interest in seeing him wrestle. And that is bang on. I've got no interest in seeing this guy wrestle. and, And that, that, that's backwards. It 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 must be all about seeing the end result. Sorry, Dan. I back over to you.
1: Brilliant. Um, so anyway, I've just that's canceled. two and a half cores lighting. I'm ranting now. Wait to get to the main event. <laughs> just cancel my order on AEW for my <laughs> um, look. To be honest, I actually will jokes aside. Look, this match came from a really good moment actually in. Uh, it come from when MJF turned on Cody, right? Mm. And that was when, from that moment on, that event finished. And that was MJF's chance to really go do what we're now saying he don't do. Really go for it. But what they done was they stuck with this rematch situation. And you're right. I, I think he's very funny, right? But again, you're right. I'm not that fussed about watching him wrestle. Yeah. And I do wonder maybe he might be a good wrestler. But he's decided to go for the route of I'm funny out of the ring and in the ring I'm gonna avoid things. He had that spell which this was the end of where he'll like have an injury where like he's hurt his finger or something, and that's you know, keeping him out and, and stuff. And actually I don't find that funny.
3: No.
1: Um I just want him you know, but you're right. You you've now hit the nail on the head. I don't really want to watch him, Um but his thing with Cody originally, which brought this on, was great. Um But again, I went involved in wrestling, and that's why when I say he was old school heel, I don't mean in regards to his moves. I mean, for example, the pint in the fans' face.
3: Yeah.
1: The uh, you know when he when he does a certain move, rather than following it up, he's sort of goading the crowd. Very very old school. And the other thing that I thought was quite old school is Wardlow who I still don't quite understand. I mean, well, he's getting paid, so that's why he's there. But, you know, not really using this fella. But he works more as a, a traditional manager. He gets involved, you know. Coming back to what Mark said earlier, ref's not looking, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hurt you, right? And yeah. I like that. Like, that was, that's old school. Um, Arn Anderson, on the other hand, who was around in a time where managers, I would say, were at their peak of quality... Holding a clipboard for this thing <laughs> angers me every single time. And I say this because it's not a play-by-play sport. Why Why do they think that's even a thing? It blows my mind. <laughs> like, it's not a play... You know, oh, so Cody goes up and asks him for an opinion. What's he saying? Right, uh, do a DDT followed by this. What are talking about? It's not a play-by-play <laughs> sport. It it doesn't make sense to me. It really makes no sense to me. Why you don't ever there. see
0: anyone in MMA with a clipboard, do you? So yeah, no, I, and I think that's sense. what you've got. That's what you've got to. If you're if you're trying to present this as a real thing, with some, with a why would display, you have that? You wouldn't have that. No one has that. Yeah.
1: In no,
2: any combat sport, no one's got a clipboard. No. The only sport I, I'd love to see what's on his clipboard. Yeah, I can't I, imagine. I'm the same the, as you. It the only sport terms.
1: with that would have that. Um, have that is the NFL because it's a play-by-play sport right anyway that sorry I, that really annoys me um, but one thing you have missed is how unnecessary was Cody Rhodes running backstage
0: oh my god to get a faster runner, Absolutely to a
1: line that is I'll tell you now one of the worst worst things I've and I mean this I've ever seen <laughs> I assumed he was going to come back with something or a surprise guest or a surprise guest. I don't know. I thought he was going to come out with something. Yeah. He looked like he looked like shit. I've left the oven on. I'm going to run yeah. back and then run back in. Yeah, it was always terrible. like when he ran back and hit the bloke. I was just thinking, right, okay, someone's obviously going to come in in a minute, or he's been out there to just know that the round. Yeah, good run up. Yeah. Oh my, you're not you saying bolt. No, you know, terrible. He, 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 honestly, one of the worst things I've ever seen.
2: I did, I mean, I did make a note about him doing that. Um, I put there's no way of running the entire length of the stage and ramp to clothesline the guy in the ring without it looking a bit silly, yeah. And I have seen great Muta do it quite a bit, which Excalibur did refer to on commentary when it happened, and he memorably did it in his new Japan match with Hulk Hogan. And besides that, I remember Masato Tanaka in ECW used to do it from time to time with a steel chair in his hand and he'd just lay into them with that. Yeah. So he's gone and got
1: something. Yeah.
2: Yeah. but uh, yeah, it's it, there's, like I say, there's no way of doing it without it looking a bit silly. I mean, I mean, for me, if I did that, by the time I got there,
1: I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just getting a You see what? I've just, I'm just pushing the guy over the ropes, but honestly, one of the worst things I've ever seen. Anyway, um, and then the last point I've got is I mentioned earlier on about how when um, Nick Jackson said, I'll oh, pay you were a jobber, that always sticks with me. The other thing that always sticks with me is the rant I got from the host of this show about how has Cody jumped off a cage, done this, done that, and yet been oh, knocked well, out of a diamond ring. Yeah, he, well, honestly, it happened, just yeah. for everyone here, I got a text that must have been, I, I went and found it earlier on. It's massive. Oh, really? (laughs) He's gone off on one. Um,
0: I hated the half of the show. I hated
1: it. I didn't think anything of it. And then I was like, oh, he's really, oh, he really didn't like that. No, Uh, I hated it. (laughs) Why is this?
0: Why is this match after the tag match?
1: Anyone with any sense? No, 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 no. The bit you went mad for was the fact that Cody got laid down. Oh, I know. Yeah, I know. I know. Like, you, literally, this this text was like, oh, he's really, oh, he's really angry. He's really cross." But uh, I, yeah. even
0: even that placement, even the placement of this match, it's like I don't, I just don't get it. I don't I, this is such this is so bad. These guys, I know Tony Tony Khan's been a wrestling fan his whole life, right? But all the and, and all the people around him have been wrestlers for a long time. How does none how does no one get it? How does no one get it in this promotion that this is not gonna work after that? You know, it just mm. it just won't work. And 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 again, um you know, the finish was was atrocious. What, what's your what's your match rate for this, Dan? Before we move on to the
1: last two. Sorry, I put I thought it was all right. Purely um, because it, maybe because when I watched it at the time, I quite liked the backstory. Yeah. Um, but what let this one down was I felt it was it showed signs of desperation. It didn't know about the Mid South rankings at the time. But it showed signs of desperation to be a big, to be better.
2: Yes, 100%. And, and,
1: and you could yeah. and you could tell, and that let yeah. it down.
0: This should have been a fifteen. This should have been a fifteen-minute maximum bloody brawl. I think both men I know you know people have got different views about blood. I'm I'm happy with not using blood. If they want to use blood, do it. But it doesn't really matter. But it should have been a brawl, fast paced. Doesn't have to be twenty four minutes. Doesn't have to be trying to like, be like a you know. Starrcade 1999 main event. This doesn't need it. Right, next up. Dan yeah, Spade. Sorry, Dan. Sorry, my Go ahead.
2: I was just going to say the tag match, the reasoning they all had going into it was to prove that they are the best team. This mm. match was a fight because these two hate each other. So, yeah, it should be It should be exactly how you, you would there, describe.
0: There's such a... Uh, New Japan is particularly bad at this. There's such a thing now where main events just got to be 30 minutes. It doesn't have to be. Just give me something different, especially pandemic wrestling. Different is always good. Have Raw in the parking lot of somewhere with, with 500 people there. Amazing. I'd tune in. I'd, I'd watch that. They were like, we're doing a special Raw from whatever. Even at Daily place, they never shoot the crowd. Just bet, give me something different.
2: Pe- people were saying in 2016, the match of the year was that first Goldberg-Brock-Lesnar match. It lasted 30 seconds. People mm. said because it was so different yeah. and it was something you hadn't seen for years and years, it was, a, it was what those two should have done at that match. Yeah. So you can you don't like you're saying you don't have to do the big epic 30 minute with everything. Uh certainly not the first go like uh, with the dodgy finish I assume they had some rematches I don't know.
0: Yeah, uh what MGF and Cody. Yeah. No, they haven't had a rematch no. They they, they moved off. I knew this it wasn't is, on yeah.
2: pay-per-view but I assumed they carried on on Dynamite. No, that no, was it. This is, it. This is it. Yeah, it. yeah, that was it. Oh, this is it.
1: It is actually, I would say, actually, at the time, it was a shock MJF1, just to put that. Up, uh, I
0: yeah, I guess it was, but then they were going with him and Moxley afterwards, weren't they? So, so this is the point yeah. with Captain Cody's um, stipulation that he's not going to change the world title. You kind of think he's never going to quite get back up to that level, which is something I, I, don't, I don't really like. So, uh, next up, we've got Dan's favourite, Orange Cassidy versus Park, um, or Pack, as he's known now. Uh, nice chant at of Padua went with Park there, Park. Um, nice chant, he's going to try for the Chicago crowd who are fully into this one. And that followed a holy shit chant as Orange squared up to Pack and attempt, and Pack attempts to take his glasses off, which um, Pack blocked. Sorry, Orange attempts to take his own glasses off. Don't know where I'm going with these notes here now. Uh, so they went back and forth with weak kicks, which the crowd loved. Before Pac had enough and shoved Cassidy down. Huge fight for over uh, chant, and up, up to this point. Cassidy had done almost nothing serious. Um, and this was pretty well done, really. Um, Pack is obviously fantastic. And Orange, a bit like Marco Stunt, is very divisive, but clearly has his act down well. Um, and this, the crowd was reacting to this like they hadn't reacted to anything on the show since the tag match. Um, basically, and in, in terms of the closing sixes, Cassidy came off the top rope with a swinging counter DDT and followed with a diving DDT. But Pack rolled out the ring before Cassidy could pin him, which the crowd booed heavily for. Um, Trent, who was on the outside, threw him back in. Cassidy hit the air raid crash for a very close near fall. Pentagon Jr. and Ray Phoenix then came out and attacked the best friends before Chuck Taylor did a running flip dive on both. But in the ring, Pat caught a distracted Cassidy and won quickly with a brutaliser in 13 minutes. I didn't think the brief run-in at the end was needed, but I'm still going in the recommend category for this one. Not the strongest all-time recommend I'm going to give, but the crowd ate this up. And I have to respect the efforts for these two getting this reaction from this audience who'd been in there for nearly three hours of wrestling at this point. Um, Dan, as you're wearing your Orange Cassidy t-shirt, I'm coming to you first. What do you make of this?
1: I can't even look at that slide. I'm not, everyone. (laughs) And and you'll find out in a sec. Um, (laughs) Did you say recommend?
3: Yeah, I did, yeah.
1: Madness. Um, (laughs) Going back to me themes... um, Pack scene when I first said it, I was like, what is this? But I tell you what, when it kicks in, I'm up. I love a bit of that. Um Cassidy's on the other hand, he's got best friends for him, which is fine. Yeah. But if I took away his intro, the whole even even that. accompanied by best friends from wherever. Oh painful. Painful. Right? Um But I was interested in this because I thought, here we go, let's see how this let's see what this guy's got in his locker. I'm interested. Because I thought, he's obviously half decent. What maybe is something that I don't get is, for me, watching on TV and maybe being in, being in the UK or something, I don't get him. So the fans, though, on the other hand, like you said, loved it. Yeah. Right? And the kick bit, you know, where they're doing all the kicking stuff, it was entertaining. But um, but, my, but my view of, of, of it being entertaining is I rate Pac for making it entertaining. Yeah. Because he's rocked up to that match as a serious wrestler and, it, and he, and he humoured it and he got involved and I think that added to it a little bit that you had someone that was quite serious getting, getting stuck in. Um, and actually... Oh, I've said it was all right. It's nowhere near a skip for me, by the way. I'm not being that horrible. What I did like about this is the way they've done the match and made it not, not cliche comedy, but made it a bit comedy. As we said with the other matches that have gone before this, after that tag match, everything has struggled. Yeah. What they've done with this was made it different. Yeah. It was just different. So it wasn't trying to compete with that tag match. Like Cody and MJF, as I said, they were trying to get themselves five stars in my opinion this one this was let's entertain people and then we'll have a little wrestling match at the end right and it worked and it was great timing and it and i I enjoyed it which is why i'd say it was all right okay i wouldn't say that sounds like a
0: recommend to me i think no because
1: yeah yeah. (laughs) no because you if you've only got half an hour of your day please don't watch this but what i'm Um, saying is
3: yeah
1: um the fans love it. Fight, singing, fight. Again, go back to what I said earlier, how much I miss the fans. Singing fight forever.
3: Yes. They, yeah, yeah.
1: Look, they sang that in the in the match that got six stars from Dave Meltzer, right? Because they meant it. They sang it in this one. It is just, that's the British sarcasm, which I love yeah. when the Americans also do it. I'm not being patronising for... Uh, um, and that is literally me being patronising saying that. But... Um, mm. Yeah, look, no pulp. They were singing. I like, yeah. just, I loved it. It showed that, the that. crowd
0: was still as there still had some juice there, like, But
1: like well, anything, you, yeah, like I wonder if that had ha- taken place straight after the tag, you wonder would it have the same, or wouldn't it? Because people would be like, I'm off to the loo, or I'm getting a drink. or right, I know. Know. But I, I just and think
0: then, the, the the crowd, the crowd didn't want what they had in between the tag match and this so the crowd had some energy left and they wanted to react for stuff but the way the way to do it is if you've got if you've got the say you got the tag, tag team match the semi-main event um and you do so let's 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 have a think about this card So you do Darby and sammy first i would do i'd probably do the women's match second then i'd do hager and dustin then I'd do MJF. Uh, no, then I'd do this. Then I'd do MJF and Cody. Then I'd do the tag team match and do the main event. I would actually do the tag team match and the main event the other way around. But I think you
1: have to do... Not, I, I, you know. I, would, I wouldn't have had the tag and the main event next to each other. I would have put the women's between them. But then you kill the women's match. Yeah, but you also at the same time are giving prominence to the women's match. No, I disagree.
0: In? I think if you put the, put the this is when the you put a women's
1: match on in the middle of the card or at the bottom of the card, you know nothing's going to happen.
0: But but if you put it in, I, I know you I know where you're coming from with this. But if you if you had a if you had a bigger match, if you had a if you had a Sheeda versus I don't know someone that you built up for a year, then I think you can put that in semi main and you can you can give it a go in that position.
1: It wasn't good enough. Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah, yeah, but I think it's I mean, not good
0: enough. And what you do is, if you put that match in between the two there, everyone goes, everyone goes out. out. But all you've got to do is just have some video packages at five or six minutes, and people, if you, if you know, if you know, because you know by that point, you've only got one match left. So I think release the card, and then people, people can. I've I've done it. I've been, Mark's been with me when I've done it. At the, at the when that three count has gone, I've raced out. I've raced out at the speed of light. And had a win i'll be back in my seat before the interest of the next match up so if you Just know go, what's
1: okay, coming know next... the, knowing this guy knowing this guy it won't it won't away <laughs> he's gone he's gone he's, he's, he's had a sit down um i, I see what you say i mean i thought this was a very good pre-main event match yeah because it, did, it again as i said it was different um fair play actually when cassidy did try and do you know what fair play like, some of them flips he does with his hands in his pockets yeah, it's great. Right. you yeah. like, yeah. You know what? It's not for me. He's not for me. Right? But get it. Um, I'm glad Pac won. Um, it also frustrated me even more that Cassidy beat Jericho, but, you know, whatever. Um, and my final question was going to be what are your thoughts on both of these wrestlers? Um, and I think I'd have, when I wrote this, I thought that that was because you were both going to massively agree with me but um, Mark has <laughs> shown me what he thinks about this match so now I sort of don't want to ask it well I am going to ask it and the reason I say that is actually Cassidy I'm just interested to see what you two guys think about a character like this Pack, I'm interested to see where you think he is and what by that I mean is he a AEW world title changer or is he a TNT
0: Mark, you, you you jump in on this and then you give, give your thoughts on both men and also on this match.
2: Pax, um, Pax, one of my favourite guys in the entire company. I think he was criminally underused in WWE. I get they tried to build the cruiserweight division around him at one point after he turned heel and and he did elevate that title but then they didn't do anything after that until he quietly left the company with no fanfare. Um, I think it, he's he's well worthy of being in the main event, in the world title picture, everything else. I like uh, the death triangle Don't thing. I that...
1: I, I'm nodding. I agree. I agree. I, I didn't say what I thought. I completely agree. Yeah, I agree
2: as the, well, yeah. The death triangle group, I think they're more sort of babyface now, aren't they? They've been tagging with baby faces <laughs> anyway, but um, I think as a heel faction, that they were fantastic uh, last year and I think that helps having, having some backup with him, but he doesn't need it. I, I just think Pac's got everything. He ticks every box. I love his promos. Being so English, we mentioned on the podcast a while ago about getting the phrase Billy Big Bollocks in a promo, which no other person in, in the company is going to even think of for obvious reasons. And, um, yeah, I think he's well worthy of, of any position they put him in. As Can I just... Cat- sorry, Mark. Can so- I just
0: literally jump I was just coming very, very quickly with, with a 10-second thought. For me, what AEW should be doing on this pay-per-view in on the 7th of March is someone like a pack with Omega and having the best wrestling match they possibly can do in the pandemic era in front of a 1,000 fans and getting people speaking about, talking about the promotion for that and not a exploding death match barbed wire torture porn nonsense. And that is what I think they should be doing. Mark, I know you're a fan of those sort of matches, but...
1: I cannot believe Even, you, you can you, retort you to that you're BCW fan. No, I know, I know. You can I just you think that's I wouldn't want that. Madness.
0: I, I I know I know I know you like that stuff, Max, Mark, but I think there's more wide-stream <laughs> appeal for if if, if you were like this is the best match that with you know there's been or the you know best match the pandemic or whatever, I think that's gonna get people talking more than something. I'm actually personally a little bit concerned about something going horribly wrong in that match. I'm actually worried about it. Um, perhaps that's my age showing, but yeah, we. we sorry, I don't mean to divert and, and uh, interrupt, Mark. But you, you, you can retort that, or carry on back on the, on the match, whether you, whatever you prefer.
3: Yeah, or
2: yours. well, as regard as regards that next pay per view main event, I, I, there's a lot of factors involved that we'd have to go into in a lot of detail. For me. Um, as far as your suggestion that they didn't do that and they chose instead to do something like Omega versus Pac, I don't, I don't know how much um, additional value or appeal it's going to give AEW because, as we've seen in this pay-per-view, we know they've got wrestlers who can do six-star matches time after time. But, you know, it's I think fans are still tuning in for the story. If you get... A, for example... Um, still in the tag division, I remember watching All Out 2019. I don't know if you remember, it was a ladder match between Young Bucks and Lucha Brothers. Yes. Yes. And it was spectacular, some amazing stunts and bumps. And uh, Meltzer gave that five and a quarter stars. Mm. Now that officially puts that match higher as, as a higher rating than any WWE match in history. But... Presumably you saw the match. Can you remember anything about it? Because me, I remember no, I a Canadian was... destroyer off the ladder and yeah. I remember nothing else. He said it was the best ladder match
0: in history, but I didn't I just didn't agree. I thought I thought that was well right what what rated way too highly for what that was. Yeah. Well
2: that that's what I mean as to we know they've got wrestlers who can do amazing matches with spectacular series of moves and sequences. But I think this doing a match which some people Like Dan's only just come back to wrestling after a few years out. If people here who used to be into wrestling, who used to be in the Attitude Era, hear that one of the American promotions is doing an exploding barbed wire match, I think it could attract, maybe not huge numbers, but I think some people who wouldn't normally be invested in a Kenny Omega regular singles match would hear about an exploding barbed wire match and think, I might have a look at that. And as far as you saying about, oh, you're your... right.
1: You're right. I, had, I, had, number one, had no idea what that meant. Yeah. Um, number two, I know you'd, Mark, you'd said to me that there's that there. I've deliberately not watched them um, because I want it to be fresh.
2: Yeah, but it's a good idea.
1: Would I know what Steve said? Would I want to see Mox and, Jer- and uh, sorry, Mox and Omega just wrestle? Yeah, I would. But am I excited about that? Yeah, I am. Yeah. I don't have a, I don't have an inkling either way. And actually, you do. I was thinking this the other day. Actually, with the whole match as a, just a normal match, you wonder, is it would it would it actually be a normal match? If you know, what that, I mean. that's that's where yeah.
2: the intrigue is for me. Yeah. I don't if know could, how it's
1: going to look. But what I'm saying, but if they if it wasn't a death match, whatever, if it was just one on one. I wonder if it even ever would be. There's always going to be something involved. So do you know what? Let's just have it where anything's involved. Then at least everyone's prepared for it. For example, Mox lost it by getting hit with a microphone. Right? That angered me more than Steve got angered about the ring we spoke about in the previous one. John Moxley does not get knocked out with a microphone.
3: Yeah, yeah, I know you're right? right.
1: They keep mentioning it. He's now entering a death match, right? Think about this, really, yeah? What chance has he got? Giza gets knocked out of a microphone, right? I, think, I think between... Well, I'm now going think next... he's meant to be rock hard. You know, I like, It just doesn't make I don't, make sense. I don't know if the will,
2: head. I don't know if the will, but I think the should, in the next couple of weeks before then, reference the fact that before he went to WWE, Moxley was doing ultra-violent, hardcore death match tournaments regularly, and he became a name on the independent scene for that style. So they should be playing up the fact that it's his forte, but then I know people have then complained online about it should have been Moxley challenging Omega to that type of match. It's his specialty. But I like the fact that Omega's saying, look, I'm going to play you at your own game and beat you. He's the heel and that's what he wants to do. I like that aspect of it. And I'll Sorry, I'll go on. Well, I was just going to say one final thing you said about your legitimately concerned about injuries or something that can come up. I think the I don't know if I said in our group chat about the best, there have been some really, really bad, bad wire matches, but there have been some really good ones as well. And and the, the selling point for me is the drama when they're building towards hitting the wire more mm. than just throwing each other into wire over and over. That's what Sabu and Terry Funk did. And it was a it was a disaster as far as I'm concerned. It's it's well remembered because of the brutality, but in terms of being a wrestling match, it it, it was not fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And I think, as far as being concerned about the wrestlers' welfare, you could say you know if one of them gets thrown into barbed wire and an explosion goes off, are they going to be more at risk than doing a Canadian destroyer on the ring apron, which happens? You know, every Yeah, perhaps. Weeks. Yeah, I suppose it's the. I suppose uh, it's the how many get, times you, might get, that you versus, might get you might get yeah. caught on the wire. You might get caught on the wire, but you're not going to break any bones getting thrown into a barbed yeah. wire fence.
0: I suppose it's the unknown, isn't it? That is the is the worry for me.
2: So, getting back to Pack and Orange Cassidy, we went off on a bit of a tangent there. I noticed the on-screen graphic during Pack's entrance. It said that his win-loss record was five and four, and I thought that's pretty poor for a big name like Pac but to their credit though Tony Schiavone immediately addressed it uh, by saying don't let those numbers fool you he is one dangerous man
3: Yeah. and then
2: this was Orange Cassidy's first AEW singles match but his overall record so far was one win two losses so between them they've lost the same amount of matches as they've won the reason I'm bringing that up though and it gets back to what we were saying about um, Orange Cassidy's place on the card of all the characters on the AEW roster, I believe Orange Cassidy's win-loss record matters the least because he's going to stay popular with the crowds even if he loses every match. Yeah, you know, based on the incredible popularity in this match, it really was an amazing crowd reaction to everything he did. Um, the match. What, itself... Why do you
1: going back to that? Obviously, why do you, why do you think he's he is that popular? And do you do you? agree or do you see no, I, I, i'm not feeling it so yeah
2: i think what he does i i've never seen seen another gimmick like his before someone who's not really fussed not really trying until somebody gives him a reason to to ramp up the energy uh i think it's uh, i think anytime a, a gimmick that's different is usually a good thing. And if the crowd latch onto it, like they have done without Orange Cassidy, I think I think it's great. There is always the risk they're going to overuse him. If he started having a match every week on Dynamite, the whole hands-in-pockets thing would get hold really quick, but they've used him sparingly up until now. And I think they need to keep doing that. I wouldn't have him in the title picture, obviously, but if he comes out, and, and like I was saying, even if he lost every match, I think the crowd are going to get up for it. A certain portion of the crowd going to love seeing him every time. So th- there's always going to be another portion like yourself, Dan, who just aren't into what he's doing.
0: Yeah. What was your what's your rating for this one, Marcus? Sorry if I've, I've missed that, um, as I went for I a, thought, a secret comfort well, break during recording, which is frowned upon. <laughs>
2: well, uh, I, I just made a couple of notes about about the match itself. Um I mean, when. Orange Cassidy was likely kicking the side of Pac's leg a few times and Pac did some back to him. The way the crowd re- were reacting, it was like Misawa and Kabashi were exchanging chops in the mm. Tokyo Dome. It was deafening. And, I mean, there were times Jim Ross didn't seem quite as light-hearted about the whole thing as Excalibur and Tony Schiavone were. It was noticeable when he said, uh, OK, so when is Pac really going to get pissed and tear Orange Cassidy's guts out? I could tell he was getting a bit uh, fed up with it there, but um, I mean everything Pack does looks so smooth and so devastating. Whether it's a power bomber, top rope drop kick, but like I was saying before about his position on the card, he he's so good, and um, and, I, and he was making all of Orange Cassidy's offense look deaf as devastating too with the the tombstone reversal into the DDT and all that stuff. So for me, it was the match of the night. You know there wasn't. <clears throat> Um, you know, it, it supersedes the tag match for me. As uh, so, I've obviously put it as a must-watch. I loved it. Wow, Dan! I'm sure you're very
1: pleased about that. I've got no words for it. <laughs> I, 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 like, like I, I, it served the purpose for me. Macho and I literally blows my mind up. But you know, do you know what? This is, I love it. I, I, I mean, honestly, this is great. I, 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 I as I said. Uh, I view you two as probably my two wrestling gurus, and uh, the fact that I disagree with one, I'm not sure if I'm happy or sad about the situation. But yeah. um, I, I, um, I couldn't disagree more. Um, <laughs> but you know, I get it. I get, I get. You know, I, the Cassidy one, I get more because I get why some people like, some people don't. Match of the card blows my mind, Mark, but. I get the Cassidy thing. I do. I completely understand why people were like him. I thought this match served a purpose, and but I would have given I give more credit to Pack for, for that. Um, yeah, but, right from yeah. that
2: first exchange where Cassidy yeah. arm whipped him, Pack really flew into that bump. Look of shock on his face. You knew from there Pack was going to play his part, and it was brilliant.
0: Yeah. Right, so on to the main event. So we've got another good background video on the feud, including Moxie tricking Jericho into thinking he was joining the inner circle and then smashing a little bit of the bubbly over his head, plus Moxie's eye being injured via Jericho and one of the spikes on his jacket. And impressively, Moxie kept up the kayfabe injury for many weeks and continuing to wear this eye patch, including on Jericho's cruise and during match in Japan. Um, Moxie entered first, the camera tracking him all the way from the outside of the arena and out through the crowd. In stark contrast to Cody's awful entrance earlier on, Jericho had a choir singing at the start of Judas, and this was every bit as brilliant as Downstate were awful earlier on. Um, and the best thing about this was it, it merged into the actual playing of Jericho's song, obviously everyone wanted to hear, which is good. I'm um, really hope we get to hear that live in the next 12 months in the UK, fingers crossed. Um, there was a really cheesy moment during the Justin Roberts announcement of John Moxley when he said, I'll have to paraphrase this, he is zero Fs given. I was just thinking, I thought before he said that, this was actually quite good and gave it a big match feel, but then this was just rubbish. What did you both think of that? Well, it was pay-per-view. He could have just said the word, couldn't he? Oh, just not, yeah. I don't know. It's like, oh,
1: what a end. What did you think of this, Dan? <laughs> yeah. I just, yeah, I just thought... There's no need for it. I know. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's right. not his official nickname, so why bother? Yeah. His thing was that for John Moxley, he says John for ages.
2: Don't yeah, exactly. It's just you so cheesy, know, yeah. Now, that, that's my yeah. son's favorite thing in AEW, the John Moxley ring introduction, and yeah. Grey Phoenix as well. Yeah, he didn't
0: need. He didn't need to give this. Uh, right. So I'm gonna. I, I really want to get to a certain
1: part of this whole match. So um, can I just say if you're going to. For, just for the intros, um, yes. like you say, you, you've alluded to it. This one worked because you still got the actual song. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, someone at a WrestleMania done a choir first, is that right? Um, someone? Um, choir.
2: Yeah. Uh, Bobby Roode did one for his glorious thing. I think that was in NXT. No, I must, no yeah,
1: what am I thinking of then?
2: Yeah, it does All ring right, a but, bell, I just can't think.
1: But yeah, so... The choir followed by the song, absolutely fantastic. Um, because yeah, as I said, and you, and the only other thing I wanted to mention was when you said, "I hope we get to hear it over here in the UK." I do, and I hope that is not ruined by the current track where he puts MJS music in it.
0: Oh well, I don't think it did that this week and Dynamite, did they? They did, yeah. Did they? Okay, I'm, I'm go started with MJS yeah.
1: and then moved in, but yeah. Okay. But yeah, no, it's a great song, you know. It's yeah, just, it's, yeah, it's actually,
0: I think it's one of the best entries because, because of the sing-along. And I think hopefully in the end, Jungle Boy's entrance will get there as well. And I'm sure it will do when the crowd comes back. Um, a quick question, Dan. There was some blood on this earlier on. Jericho Powerbomb mocked into the timekeeper's table. One second, there was no blood. And when they cut back, there was loads of blood underneath the eye patch. Did you
3: see? What
1: was this? So, So the cut, which you see later, is a, on top of the eye. Right, OK. So when he... Well, I won't mention, because you're going to get to it, but later on, you get to see his eye. Yeah. And the cut is at the top of the eye. But there's a lot of blood, i tell you that.
0: Yeah, I, I uh, wondered if it,
2: it... almost looked like fake blood, to be honest. Yeah, um, it, it confused me. Uh, I think it came from ramming his head into the ring post. And like Dan says, when we see it towards the end of the match it is a horrible gash in, in his forehead. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's um, deep. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, it, it was odd because it where the cut was was under the eye patch. I didn't see the eye patch move. So it's sort of one minute there's a lot of blood and then the next minute it's all gone because presumably the patch is covering it. It was very confusing.
0: Yeah, and and there, it wasn't the only confusing part of this match. So, so this whole match, which I would say for me, and I've been... You know, I'm harsh on the guys clearly on my skips. It was all right. I thought it was just solid, it was all right territory. But this was an eventual setup to Jericho attacking Moxley's good eye. So obviously, Moxley was wearing an eye patch. There's a good eye in there. And then, so to Jericho attacked Moxley's unpatched eye. And Moxley pretended he now couldn't see at all. However, actually, he could see as he ducked the Judas Effect elbow, hit the paradigm shift, then removed the eye patch to a gas from the crowd. He then hit another paradigm shift for the win in 2018 to become the second AEW World Champion to a decent but not monumental reaction. So, just take a step back here. John Moxie decided in a world title match to disadvantage himself by wearing a patch covering partially or all of one eye and pretended he was injured on the off chance that Jericho attacked the other eye and he could at some point trick him and show that the first eye was okay. Got that? But then he still had the eye patch on when he supposed he could see Jericho, and after Jericho had repeatedly attacked the non-patched eye. So I'm not sure if he was supposed to have slightly moved the eye patch to see or what, or if it was see-through. But all I know is it doesn't make any sense at all. And I thought this was a total mess. I hated this finish. I thought this was the absolute pit. And even worse than the MJF ring shot on on the win, uh, for the win for Cody, the commentators tried to explain it, but couldn't because it didn't make any sense. This was overthought and overbooked. Moxie grabbed the mic um, and not and got I've got a good chance from the crowd actually at this point. He said he loved this shit and it's been a long road, but he didn't win this tonight. It didn't belong to him. AEW belongs to the fans. Blah blah blah. The wrestling fans have been the drive driving AEW, and they are the energy that drives them forward. A year ago, they had a conversation. They're bringing pro wrestling, pro wrestling back to the people. Emphasis on the pro wrestling bit. there, a banned WWE term. Um, the belt belongs to everyone in Chicago and all the AEW fans at home and all the fans who have been through, have been with him through all the ups and downs. Is it he doesn't have the words to describe the gratitude to the AEW family and the most important part is, is the fans. Is there's not much to say, uh, not much left to say. It feels like it's beer o'clock. His music starts playing. He then said, hey, what the F, but didn't censor it. He then said he wasn't going to hide behind the belt, and now it's time to knock back some whiskey. Make your bloody mind up, John. Is it whiskey? Is it beer? Are you having a little bit of both? This was okay, the promo-wise, until the Bush League bit when the music went, went out. Just before I get your thoughts on this match, I must say I massively enjoyed this run from Chris Jericho and his time as world champion. More for the skits and the promos than the matches and his character... Um, and I actually felt sad when he lost uh, but as Andy H Murray on Twitter not the tennis player said at the time don't cry that it's over smile because it happened au revoir le champion as for the match the finish takes us down a level for me and he's yet another skip I'm going to skip again on what Tony Khan reckons was one of the best recipe views of all time alas Tony I believe you are wrong Mark <laughs> Thoughts on this pay-per-view main event, the Moxley promo, and your
2: rating, please? Well, um, I'd like to start, as the commentators were talking before the entrances, because they were making predictions as to what the outcome was going to be, and Jim Ross sneezed. Uh, (laughs) I don't remember any other time I've ever seen anyone sneeze on a wrestling show before. I remember El Matador Tito Santana coughing at WrestleMania 8, but I can't recall anyone sneezing. Can you remember, Steve, in all your time?
0: I don't think so, no.
2: no. That's, that's a new <laughs> one, isn't it? But, um, yeah, in, in the video that preceded the match, it was clear that it's a story that's been done many times in the past. Well, that's because it's simple and effective. You don't need to overcomplicate it. The heel offers the baby face a chance to join his group. The face considers it, pretends to say yes, and then attacks the heel, and the match is on. I liked it when Diamond Dallas Page did it to the NWO in 1997. I liked it when Stone Cold Steve Austin did it to Vince McMahon in 1998. And I liked it here too. Um, there was a nice contrast right before the bell rang to begin the match. Jericho was stood perfectly still in his corner, seemingly strategizing, and Moxley was in the opposite corner, desperate to charge into his opponent and start swinging. Um, I liked when Jericho got creative in the crowd, I'll test you again here, Steve. Um, at one point, he took a TV camera off the cameraman and filmed himself giving Moxley the finger. I have seen somebody do that once before on a WWE pay-per-view. Can you remember that? Backlash 99 Rockin' Austin. That's exactly right, yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought it happened at Backlash 99 and it's still funny 21 years yes. later. Um, and then, yeah, obviously the finish, uh, it was a silly finish, Uh, The crowd had struggled to keep going after being so crazy for the Orange Cassidy pack match before it. But the ending did get a big pop. And I think it was the right time to crown a new champion. I, like you, thought Jericho did some great stuff as Le Champion. And um, I also liked after the match, uh, again, something you don't see too often. Moxley had a shirt already uh, proclaiming him as the new champion. Mm-hmm. I have seen that done before in football, like in cup finals, when the team put t T-shirt on saying champions straight away. But I've rarely seen that in wrestling, so that was good. And then the promo after the match was what it was. Um, I find that Moxley cuts promos generally, including this one, uh, like me when I'm on the phone, because I struggled to stand still and I'm wandering around all the time. And the cameramen here were struggling to keep up with Mox pacing unpredictably from one side to the other. So I identified with that. So, uh, my overall rating was recommend. I thought it was was, uh, good stuff. I I really rate Moxley, as you know. So, although the match had its faults here and there, you know, it was his big moment. So, So it just uh, goes to show, doesn't it? Because we're
0: we're polar opposites on that,
2: aren't we, in terms of, and obviously the tag match as well. So,
0: it just goes to show. You can watch wrestling for 30-plus years, but... Yeah. So some, whatever. Sometimes a, your red lines will be different. I suppose, isn't it? Yeah.
2: Yeah. And a lesson to wrestling fans on Twitter: you haven't got to start calling each other names. And uh, no, exactly, exactly.
0: Uh, Dan,
1: what are your thoughts on this? Uh, this match and your rating? So the eye patch uh, situation was uh, another. I mean, you've all heard it verbalized here. Another massive rant. I have text messages from you <laughs> um, about. But this one, I agreed with. I do agree. You're at your big match. Why? Why would you run? Like again, guys. What we said earlier. If you're trying to be like this is a real thing, which that's the point, right? That is not what you would do. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> um, I was actually going to say, see, he uh, when he got the eye patch, um, that incident, I remember watching on Dynamite and thinking. Steve must be literally losing his mind um, about... Because it was a uh, spike of Jericho's coat, wasn't it? Yes.
4: Um,
1: and then Moxie done it back. Um, I won't, I'm not much of a massive fan of that, to be honest. I don't really like, you know, taking someone's, to take someone's eye out or whatever. Um, now, obviously, I understand that WWE... Did something similar, which I also watched and I thought was horrendous. It was Rey Mysterio's eye, apparently, wasn't it? Um, Just leave stuff like that. Silly. Um, I thought as the match went, I thought quite a vintage Jericho. Chris Jericho was and remains one of my all-time favorite wrestlers. Um, We mentioned earlier on, actually, why did I start watching AEW? It was, you know, if I boil it down, it was to do with you know Fulham's owner and stuff. But when they got Jericho in, that was huge for me. Um, you know, I I had your Y2J shirt, you know, I just watched all these raw rumbles every single time the guy comes in, even if I'm not paying attention, I'll be I'll be looking somewhere else, I'll hear the music, and it'll be like, Why are my arms in the air? Oh yeah, because Jericho's just coming in and for no reason. I'll just put my arms up. Um I love the man. And I thought he fought vintage here. Um, in regards to Moxley actually I don't know what vintage Moxley is Um, again watching these rumbles which I'm glad I've done actually because it really gives you a sense of how WWE has changed over the years and the different characters that drop in and out and how actually Mm. quickly they drop in and out when you watch them back to back you realise that bloke's just gone now like it's really bizarre Um, and never knew much about Dean Ambrose, that wasn't my time. Uh, watching them rumbles, I must admit, I would, I personally think if I was watching WWE at the time, I'd be all over the shield. I, I mm. would have thought they were uh, well good. I mean, every time they come to the Rumble, I'm like, yeah, that's a real little faction. Now. I like that a lot. Um, same way, I actually used to like um, Legacy. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Sort of near the end of my thing, but I quite like them. Um, yeah, the eye patch thing, as we said, um, not a great ending. Now, you literally battered the speech at the end. Um, he, When he said, I love this shit, I was really like, yeah. And then, if I'm honest, when he said that was for you lot, I didn't go. I actually went, that's me. He's talking to me. <laughs> I swear to God. Yeah. See, I viewed it as I in, didn't think it fit
2: people. Moxley's character.
1: Yeah. Well, the like Stone Cold Steve Austin. There you go. Yeah, yeah, but this is the thing. I don't know his background.
0: I think oftentimes, so, if you're looking to book a baby fat not every, not every time, because actually, if you look at some of the stuff Steve Austin did... Actually, actually, said, actually, sorry. Hang on, when you
1: that. say it's not his character, you're talking about Dean Ambrose, though, yeah? No, I know. John oh, Moxley, oh. yeah. You're talking about John... Because John Moxley is different to Dean Ambrose, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess.
0: Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: And so my view is, from what I've seen AEW... John Moxley is very much for the fans.
3: Mm. Yeah, I I saw the Rumbles.
1: Dean Ambrose is not. Yeah, they're two different people. Remember.
0: Yeah, no, I know, but I don't think you have to. I don't think I think you get to a point of being a babyface where you you, especially in modern days, you kind of like (laughs) it's a bit sickly, um, which I think this was. I was going to say is I think if if you're if you're ever booking a show and you're like. What should the babyface do? A good answer to that is, what would Steve Austin do? Though, Steve Austin in 97 was a bit of a dick sometimes, but it still works. But I think generally that if he, I, I don't think Mox you want Moxie to be cool. Like, I don't think someone, you can be grateful, like whatever. But yeah, anyway, this wasn't too bad But I'm not on that. What would, you, what would you go for this one in terms of
1: your, your rating? I don't recommend.
0: Recommend, okay. Yeah, it's a main yeah. the
1: main event as a title change. I actually think if, if Jericho had won, I would probably have said it was all right.
0: I just mm. think when there's a
1: subtle change, yep, it, always, here, it, always ups, it always ups the appeal. Um,
0: so, so I've obviously been I, I'm very harsh on that one. Right, so with my my dear wife is, uh, is very snoozy and apparently we need to go to bed soon. So let's have our, our quick final thoughts on this pay-per-view and our overall rating at 10. I'll just go quickly first. This is a difficult show to rate for me because it contains... For me, my taste, one of the best matches I've ever seen. Two other good offerings I enjoyed with Sammy and Derby, plus the different but good pack versus Cassidy. Um, I thought the rest range from dull to really frustrating and the booking irked me a lot. But I'm still going to go 6.75 out of 10 because the tag match on here, um, I can't go lower than that with we'll a show with that on it. So, uh, yeah, I say that slightly begrudgingly given how much I hated the finish in two of the high-profile singles matches. But there we go, 6.75 out of 10, which I think is the most I've, ever, I've given any show of this so far. So there we go. Uh, Mark, what would you give this out of 10? Any final thoughts?
2: Uh, I didn't prepare a rating out of 10. So whatever uh, recommend is. Uh, so that's seven or eight, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I would say so. Yeah, seven or eight out of 10, yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a very good show. There was... There was no really bad matches. There were some, obviously, better than others. But I like the variety of styles on show because you had um, Sammy and Darby, Darby were in a fast-paced spot fest. The tag title match was sort of Japanese-style, throwing everything at each other for half an hour. MJF and Cody had the heated grudge match. Cassidy and Pat got the comedy aspect just right. And then the main event had a bit of everything. So, you know, coming out of it, you've got a new babyface world champion. Orange Cassidy had proven how good he can be when he really tries. MJF was elevated by beating a, a main eventer. And Hangman and Kenny had turned a corner in their relationship. Nyla Rose was looking dominant and ready for her next challenger. So there was plenty going on. It's, it's interesting because this,
0: this show was very, very well received. Um, so, yeah, as, as, as I said, clearly there's some bits that just, that just weren't for my taste. Dan, what would you what do you think in terms of closing this and a rating out
1: of ten? Yeah, um, for me, it was the tagline was "Join the revolution," um, and I think we can tell I, I, I'm well and you I'm well in. and truly in the revolution. Yes, yeah. um, but I'll give it eight out of ten, solid out of oh, ten, really good rating. Out 10. 8 <laughs> out of ten. But but the reason I'm saying why are you all huffing? Mark just says seven. All right, I, um, I, I, yeah. <laughs> But the reason no, I'm No, I know. I
0: just, I just, I, get, I guess I get close 6. because I've 6.75. But maybe, maybe. Do you, know what? If, do you know what? Actually, sorry, Dan, I don't mean to interrupt, If Moxie had gone in there at the start of that match and they tied up or something and Jericho had done something and he'd revealed the eye patch straight away, right at the start of the match. So that, for me, suspension, disbelief, smashing thing, and they'd had exactly the same match with the same finish, I would have probably given it. Seven and a half to eight out of ten. So there you go. Sorry, Dan. I'm Back
1: over to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, quite a lot has to happen for you to like notch it up like half yeah, a mark They have to phone um, me
0: up beforehand and make that. Yeah, sorry, like,
1: uh, That tag match is something that I've watched multiple times, um, and for me, um, we we we're, we're watching a promotion less than two years old, and they've laid that on. And I think there's something to be said for that. Um, mm. And as much as, as we open this with, the individual that runs AEW, Mr Khan, may not be the best director of football. This was, I felt, for a guy that's been running a wrestling promotion for less than two years. Fair play to you, mate, because you've you done pretty well. Just You've done yeah, pretty my, well.
0: I'm sure you'll be listening. My message to you, Tony, is tighten up on your... Uh... Buy a striker. Well, yeah, that that but it was a bit too late for that now, aren't you? But you just got to tighten up on some some quality control on some of this stuff, and don't you don't have to overbook pay per views. Just let things be what they should be. It doesn't like the Cody thing we talked about should have been shorter. Don't don't fall into traps around the the match order, and just don't yeah don't overbook it. Don't overthink it. Just simple professional wrestling works for all of us and lots of you know jaded fans out there that have been missing that for years in WWE. So. Uh, any final I, words? Sorry, Mark, go ahead.
2: I, I wonder how how it works backstage when, like I said earlier, about you know, Tony's the guy in charge, but if, you know, Cody and MJF are stood there telling him what they want to do, you know, is it a case I mean, obviously he has the power to do it if he chooses to. Is he likely to say to Cody, Look, I'm only gonna give you fifteen minutes. Um, leave the stuff with the toe out if you're gonna start kicking him in the face. And um is he going to do that or is he got confidence enough in his VPs and pretty much everyone else from what I've heard on, as, as you can tell, I've been binging this AEW podcast recently. Mm. Everyone's been told their input is valued, which is a good thing. But if they've been given free reign to come up with their own stuff, you know, it's a double-edged sword. Some of it's going to be really, really good. Some of it needs a a guy at the top saying, look, how about, we bring this down a bit or change this part. I think. I think, wonder yeah. how much Tony does that. Well, he,
0: the thing is, I don't think he would come out and say, "Look, I didn't think this pay per view was very good." I think obviously there's a, you know, there's something that's, um, you know, he's na- a natural promoter, but he has said on interviews that I've heard of him that the thing, the stuff that he's thought has not worked the best is the stuff that's outside of his taste. So I do, I do wonder whether actually behind the scenes some of this stuff that he. Perhaps he doesn't think this is the, you know, the best I would, move of your time. I would, it's overbooked and stuff, I would, yeah. Look,
1: looking at how he operates in the business we know, I would take him not taking credit or not taking the blame for things with a pinch of salt. Yes, yeah, absolutely.
0: Right, gentlemen, thank you very much for your time as ever. Um, I don't know what we're doing next month. We'll work that out near the time. But yeah, thank you very much. Any, any final words, Mark?
2: No, no, it's good good discussion. Uh, like I say, you can, as wrestling fans, we can disagree... Completely on stuff, but you know, just be respectful and uh, appreciate that it's subjective. Yeah, one man's some... perfect match is another man's waste of time. Yeah, but there are some things
1: we always agree on, which is John Cena the best WWE champion of all time. Yeah, I completely agree. With, <laughs> I completely agree with everything you said, and um, I apologise in advance for leaving the WhatsApp group.
0: stuff, <laughs> <Good laughs> gentlemen. We should speak again very soon. Thank you very much for listening to the show. If you've enjoyed it, why not head over to Apple Podcasts and hit the subscribe button, follow on Spotify or press whatever you need to where you listen to this show to receive the episodes as soon as they are released. We love reviews at Mid South Moments, so why don't you make my day by leaving a five-star rating. Also, if you're interested in guest hosting in the future, please do reach out at MidMoments on Twitter and I look forward to speaking with you all again very, very soon.